Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, a soldier of fortune, Rod, and I'm joined by... Howie's Girl, XOXO, less than three, exclamation point. Still Howie's Girl. Yes, always. Even though, yeah, he had the lesser of uh, the, the album. You know what? I was actually talking to someone at work about, I was like, oh yeah, we have a podcast and blah, 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 blah. And I just happened to mention the Backstreet Boy one. And <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, the Backstreet Boys, who was your favorite? And I was like, Howie's the best, obviously. And they both looked at me like I was smoking something. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> they, were both, they were both grown men and they were like, excuse me, Brian? <laughs> Freaking Chris holding it up. Like Nick. Nick. I don't think they said Nick. They definitely said Brian. I don't think they said Kevin because I would have made an old man joke. But I'm just saying they they came for my throat. Howie. Howie. Two two things of the boy band albums that released in the year 2000. uh, (laughs) The Backstreet Boys had the worst one. And two. When you say Howie, I picture one of the members of the band we're going to talk about. You're today. the worst. <laughs> Which one? I, I, we'll talk about it. Don't but that, that's the second segment. Anyway, uh, if you're new to the show, let us explain. Uh, Jess and I, we are talking about music today. We're talking about the music albums of the year 2000. We've gone through a list of every music album released in the year 2000. We came. Uh, and some, some I even added to the list based on my music collection. <laughs> that's how we came up with my album. Uh, and we decided which one each of us had listened to the most in our lives. The whole album all the way through, probably. We did, in fact, decide this. Yep. And uh, if you've listened to our music episodes for the last, like, ten music episodes, you know the you know the, the <laughs> cycle by this point. You know the score. Jess has a popular pop album of the time, uh, mm-hmm. and I have a very obscure album. Correct. Uh, possibly the most obscure we've talked about up to this point. Um, as far as internet availability goes, right? Okay, because I was like, I feel like litmus test, wa- water, water testing. Liquid tension experiment. Yeah, that's I would pretty say, I would argue that Arion was pretty obscure. Yeah, yeah, you. But this some this one ones. is this one's up there. We've listened to Guns and Roses. Nobody really knows who they, who they are. <laughs> yeah, they have like some of the highest selling <laughs> albums of all time, rock albums for sure. Anyway, yep. So uh, that's. The story's the same, folks. It's another music episode, meaning... Uh, Tale as old as time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, if, if you missed our last few episodes, just a reminder, uh, we've gone monthly. Mm-hmm. We're releasing shows every month now. Just like a period. Uh, I am a little disappointed that this show didn't come out in May like it would have if we were doing three shows in a month. Because I could have said... I, I could have made a joke about no. it being May. <laughs> It's gonna be May. It was just May. That's <laughs> yeah, so, what we'll do next. So month. now this show releases in June, and it it was just about May. <laughs> it <laughs> was recently May. May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. Sometimes um, it's just the way it is. But we'll talk about that song maybe later. No. We're gonna start out with my album of the year 2000, released March 21st, 2000, the debut album of this progressive rock supergroup that is Sympty by Transatlantic.
Simpty. Simpty? Is that how you pronounce it? That's apparently, I I learned that this week. I've been pronouncing it Sept, like like September. It's spelled S-M-P-T colon little E, right? And I always, when I had been saying the name of the album in my head all these years, I assumed it was just called S-M-P-T. S-M-P-T? E. Um, But nope, it is Simpty. I think I've just been calling it September in my head, to be perfectly honest. I'll explain (laughs) why it's called Simpty. Oh, I know. It's the first letters, right? We'll explain to the kids. Sort kids, of. we have so much to tell you. <laughs> yeah, this this show might be long. Uh, but yeah, Transatlantic. It is a progressive rock supergroup made up of members of popular, uh, leading members of the progressive rock community at the time. Uh, <laughs> and no one's heard of Transatlantic. Absolutely no one. Uh, you could probably guess, if you know my history of music, how we got there, how I discovered Transatlantic. Was it a video game? No, no, it was not. Oh. Uh, it, was, it was through my favorite band. Which is what? What is my favorite band? Pink Floyd. Uh, they're up there. <laughs> Dream no. Theater. Dream Theater. Yep. So the drummer for Transatlantic is also the drummer for Dream Theater. This is his side gig. Do you just want, go all their side gigs? Do you just check Not out all, all of them? Not all of them. It was just. Except Papa Gene. Pa- Except Papa Nietzsche. Papa. Char- shout out to Charlie Dominici. One day we'll listen to his, his side gig. Yeah. His, his solo work. Um, so anyway. It, it was, you know, when I was discovering Dream Theater, I was getting into all their music and I would, oh yeah, they this guy played with this other band. Well, let me go listen to that. This guy played with, and you know, some bands I reached out, you know, I searched out and listened to and became a fan of as well. And then others I didn't. So I don't know. It's just. Yeah. It's just, it's just what it is. It just is. happens. You see like, oh, I mean, I like, okay, that's not weird. I do it all the time. Like if somebody's featured on an uh, uh, album that I like, then I'm like, oh, let's hear what they have to do. Or if I just come across a couple of their songs and I like them, then I was like, okay, let me give their whole album a shot. Well, I can actually tell you why I was specifically uh, interested in Transatlantic. Mm-hmm. So I discovered it in Dream Theater in high school around 2008, 2009. Uh, Transatlantic had just released a, a new album in 2009. Mm. Uh, it was called The Whirlwind, and it featured a single track, which was a, <laughs> 77 minutes long. No. So, yeah, their, ni- their 2009 album had one song on it, and it was an hour and 17 minutes. No. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds fun. No, so- it does. So I listened to that album and then I listened to, I, I bought and listened to their debut here, which is Simpty. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how it goes. So yes, uh, the longest, I, I believe the longest track on my phone is The Whirlwind by Transatlantic. An hour and 17 minutes. One long composition. And uh, their debut is not too different. It's not one song, but five. And uh, <laughs> three of those songs are over 15 minutes. Hey, kids. Don't worry, I'm fine. <laughs> Did he trap me in a car for three hours and make me listen to this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine. Well, I mean, so we typically, we, we highlight four songs whenever we talk to these albums. And w- there was no other way. To, like, we're going to talk about the two short ones. But that means we had to also talk about the two long ones. Like, two of the long ones. Was no there a longer one? Well, uh, yeah. We, we talked about... The, wait, we didn't talk about the longest one? No, we did talk about the longest mm-hmm. one. <laughs> or we are going to talk about the longest one. I've already listened to the longest one. Uh, so I, I take it you'd never heard of Transatlantic no. before meeting me. I'm pretty sure I when I think Transatlantic, I still think Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Mm. 
Also, I've never heard any of their stuff, but their their name is more substantial in my head than this, and I've listened to this twice. <laughs> Foreshadowing ahead, uh, trans transatlantic is also different from transcontinental, uh, which is another a thing related to your album. We'll, we'll get into later. Oh, we got a lot of trans going on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you want to describe your first time experiencing transatlantic? It was a lot different from I was. Well, it wasn't a lot different. Okay. It was like 13% different yeah. than a lot of your other pro prog rock stuff. So that was my thought. I was this like, is Ooh. not metal. Okay. Yeah. Dream Theater is a lot of metal influence, right? Mm -hmm. Even even Liquid Tension Experiment had like metal guitars. Like right. this, this is not heavy metal. This is plastic. Straight rock. There's a little <laughs> bit of hard rock in there if you want to like get granular, but like it's pretty much just a send-up, a tribute to progressive rock of the 70s mm. like and, and i guess 80s too like okay. 70s and 80s late 60s even progressive rock like the pioneers of progressive rock the the, the granddaddies name some of them granddaddies <laughs> yes no genesis pink floyd emerson lake and palmer um ralph Roy uh, gentle giants that's a lot of granddaddies yeah, yeah. So they, they were they just said, okay, it's just a group of guys who love progressive rock. They probably grew up listening to this stuff. Rush. <laughs> <laughs> you rushed that one out. Yeah. Um, and we're like, yeah, we just want to make an album like like that. <laughs> and that's what they did. That's why it's 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 definitely a throwback. It's it's not mo like it, it ha they they bring a lot of the modern flavor to it, you mm -hmm. know, in their own style, but it's it's a throwback album. Yeah. It's it's, it's like uh, what Quentin Tarantino does, I guess. <laughs> throwback movies. They they are definitely trying to pay homage to their heroes. I yeah. Think, you know, and like Dream Theater does that too. But they they also incorporate heavy metal, which was a much newer genre mm -hmm. to this stuff, you know? Yeah. So this is just just the just that's the the, the crazy uh, which I think rock is stuff. Interesting. I guess I just haven't heard. It. I mean, I've heard Pink Floyd and I've heard Rush. And those are the two. Oh, and I only know that because you've told me that that's the name of the people that we're listening to. I, I don't actually know what they sound like. Oh, okay. I know one Pink Floyd song. I would say those are two of the most commercial progressive rock acts of that era. But there were a lot of like really obscure ones that were like influential, but not quite like in the mainstream like Pink Floyd has been, mm -hmm. you know, and even Pink Floyd has some albums that are just like, yeah, you know, only the, the hardcores care about that. <laughs> only you know? the hardcores. Yeah. Only the olds. <laughs> <laughs> and the me's. <laughs> you are an old. Well, let's get into the making of Transatlantic because we got a lot of ground to cover in this episode. Oh, yeah. so not so much in the history of Transatlantic, but in general. So let's get into it. Let's do it. As we talked about in our 1999 music episode, progressive metal band Dream Theater released the album Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory to Critical Acclaim. Woo woo. Remember that one? I do. <laughs> During their world tour to support that album, Dream Theater was joined by Los Angeles-based progressive rock band Spock's Beard. Excellent name. Spock does not have a beard. Led by vocalist and keyboardist Neil Morse. We, we were looking at the list of 2000 albums and I mentioned Spock's Beard and you're like, well, Spock doesn't have a beard. Oh, I probably did say that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a curse. It feels like, sorry, real quick. In Harry Potter, they'll say stuff like Merlin's Beard. <laughs> it feels like a, Spock's Beard. Well, I guess it was a joke between Neil Morse and his brother at like when they were kids. They were like, there's there's an episode, like I one or maybe two episodes of the original Star Trek where they meet like a Spock from a different universe. Mm. And he's evil and has a beard. Got he's it. from the uh, he's from the darkest timeline. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say 
say that. Look, that's prob- I, was, I was imagining him with the Abed there. Yeah, that's probably the the that's community episode was making fun of Spock's beard. Probably. That's true. Also, excellent community episode. Top three, in my opinion. So Neil Morrison, his brother, their joke was like, if something was weird, oh, oh that's a real Spock's beard. <laughs> that was really weird. <laughs> Remember that time Spock had a beard? That was weird. <laughs> so Dream Theater drummer Mike Portnoy had been an early champion of Spock's beard after he discovered the band around 1994. And after building up a professional relationship with Morse and the band around 1999, Portnoy, quote, got the itch to form a prog rock supergroup alongside Morse to serve as a side project to their full-time gigs. Nice. This would be uh, Mike Portnoy's second side. Yeah, I was like, is, is he already, doesn't he already have a side chick? He was in, <laughs> he had formed Liquid Tension Experiment yeah. in 98. But when the keyboardist in Liquid Tension Experiment, Jordan Rudis, joined Dream Theater, his main gig, he thought, well, now it's just redundant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he was like, I want to make another one. Or I'm not playing with all my same bandmates. Mike, hey, buddy, as a person who often takes too much stuff on because they think it'll be a good idea and they'll have fun. You got a lot of work to do, guy. He has so many projects, even more so now. Like Dude. He's, he's in like 20 bands. Honey. And the, it's, it's always like, hey, when are you going to do more of this band? Oh, you know, when we all have time. Take a break. <laughs> Take a break. Take a nap. He's a busy man. He loves to play drums. It's too much. He loves music. It's too many mics. It's too many bands. To fill out the group, Portnoy and Morris first approached Fate's Warning guitarist Jim Matthews, who was unable to participate. Uh, and that's funny because they all, <laughs> Mike Portnoy, when he was putting together Liquid Tension Experiment, he also, again, reached <laughs> out to Jim Matthews, and he was also busy at that time. Is this all a ploy? He just wants a band with Jim. Does he currently have a band with Jim? He, he did form one in the 2000s called ISO, I believe. Good job. You got your Jim. Yeah, yeah. So they did work together. I had to look that up. I was like, did they ever work together? Because it seemed like all Mike, just, all, all, all he wanted to do was work with this I guy. I just keep making new bands to entice him, and he's always too busy. Yes, but they did work together. OSI, I believe, is that. Okay. Not ISO, but OSI. I was like, ISO is something. OSI. So instead of Matthews, they instead tapped Swedish guitarist Roin Stolt, who had played with the progressive rock band Kaipa in the 1970s and in his own band, The Flower Kings, since 1994. I have not heard of either of those bands. Well, well, they're Swedish. I don't think you really like... Uh, not that you don't like Swedish rock, but you <laughs> you tend to stay in American and UK. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd listen to them Like if, if going back now. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I'd taste. You know, I'd sample them. <laughs> I would have an adore of dwarf or dwarf or... Or dwarf. French is hard and I'm dyslexic. Continue, sir. Morse had been corresponding with Stoltz since their bands performed together in LA in 1977's Prague Fest. And to complete the lineup, they recruited Pete Trewavus. <laughs> oh, Trewavus. 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 Best known as the basis for the classic British progressive rock band Marillion, uh, who, again, I, I don't Isn't know. Isn't that a city in Pokemon? Vermilion. <laughs> <laughs> no. Marillion, again, I don't know too much about them, but I do know that they are highly respected in the progressive rock scene. Like, they're the granddaddies, you know? Oh. They're, they're of the Yes generation. So Yes is also very well respected. For their early progressive rock, Marillion was in that scene. Cool. Um, so it's like they got, you know, three guys who were kind of, you know, forging a, a, a new generation of prog rock joined by the veteran. Here. Nice. So it's it, it's a good lineup. Yeah. I think they, they built a good team here. With everyone on board, the new band looked for a name. Portnoy originally suggested SIMPTY, both as an acronym for the band members' initials and a reference to the SIMPTY time code extensively used for video and audio production. 
Uh, so I had to look this up. Like, you, you know, a time code. Like, if you're looking at like yeah. raw production footage, yeah. there's usually a time Second code. Minute P time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know specifically, but like when they were working in the studio, it helped when you have very various machines, even in like producing audio, you have various machines all recording different things. You right. have to make sure that they are aligned. Yeah. And you yeah. have a, a standard to, to time them all. So it was a jo- It was a production joke, music mm. joke. I meant to ask, uh, that was, I, I think that, that's you meant what to I, ask Paul? I, I meant to ask our, our friend in audio production about that <laughs> today, <laughs> but uh, he wasn't in. So yes, you got Stolt S, Morse M, Portnoy P, and Troavis T. And then they, they took the E in Troavis and made it the little E. <laughs> that's why it's Simpty. The, so they, the E is yeah. retained, but it's the E in his name. Got it. So, yeah. However, the band voted instead to use the name Transatlantic, presumably to represent the international composition of the group, leaving Simpty to be used as the title of their debut album. Nice. And uh, that's what we got. We got Simpty by Transatlantic. Simpty was recorded at Millbrook Studios in New York, June and July of 1999, and it was released in March 2000 through independent label Metal Blade Records and Morse's own label Radiant Records. And that's all I got. <laughs> so now we can talk about some music. Okay, so uh, typically we talk four songs per album. That's that's how we do it. Typically, yes. Uh, but because Simpty is a little different, as we talked about, has has <laughs> three of its songs are over fifteen minutes long. Uh, we, we're going to talk about the two shortest ones. We are, <laughs> uh, but we can't talk about two songs that are over fifteen minutes long. In we addition, we can't. To- in addition to two other songs that aren't that long. Uh, so we're going to do three songs. That's that's it. I I agree with this. Yep. I agree with this. Unless we want this this segment to be over two hours long. Nope. No. <laughs> it's going to be three songs. One long, two short. Like the rapper? <laughs> two short. Um, so you get to choose. Do you want to jump straight into the deep end and talk a long song? Or do you want to talk about a short one first? And we'll sandwich the long in between. Let's do... Let's just do the long one first. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so the first song we're going to talk about is All of the Above. And uh, we came in the segment with that one. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll just we'll just jump right back in where it stopped. They got the the organ in there. I love that. That, that. That's like one of the standouts in uh, Transatlantic is the the the, the keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a lot of the band members are are like multi instrumentalists. Yeah. Like that's really cool. They uh, like Neil Morse, the singer. Like he's like the lead singer. All the guys sing really. Like they all they all have points where they they actually like either do backing or lead mm-hmm. vocals. Uh, but then. Neil Morris is kind of like the lead vocalist most of the time. He's over like I've watched him live. He's over there playing like three different keyboard sets <laughs> while also singing, you know, and then the the band member like the guitar player will like, you know, put the guitar down. He'll pick something else up like they, they, they're just all crazy, talented people. Oh, they were all educated in music. <laughs> oh, yeah. As well. Not that you need to be educated in music, but it was like, oh, man. So, Dang. <laughs> yeah, um, all of the above is what this is like the 
epic of the album. It's almost 31 minutes long. No, this is a 15-minute one, isn't it? Nope, this is a 30-minute, and oh. it's it's comprised of six movements. I thought this was the 15-minute one. Nope. <laughs> uh, the, and the, I think when when people think of Transatlantic, at least the fans, like all, all the different reviews and and like blog posts about them, like from you know the weirdos who like this. <laughs> um, at least you know what you are. Yeah, this was the standout for the album. You know, like this is kind of like the Transatlantic like opus. You know. <laughs> And I agree. This is my favorite song on the album, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's just like, it goes places. It goes above all. And it gives you all of the above. I feel like that's a great title <laughs> because it's like, hey, what kind of music does it get? But all of the above, you know? like It, it hits all of them. Yeah. It does have like very different movements. Uh, like, so before we even talk, talk about lyrics, because again, you know, this song, uh, I think it takes about four minutes before <laughs> any vocals start at all. Yes. Yeah, yeah, four four thirty four is when the lyrics start. Ooh. Um, what would you think of like musically, like of this song and just the album in general? Because I don't want to harp too much on the music for every song, but like you know, mm, I think musically this one was good. This it wasn't my favorite. I did have an, a favorite of the songs that we listened to uh, musically, but I thought this went a lot of places. There, you could definitely tell that there were movements, especially if you weren't like paying attention right like every time there's a movement change i was like oh is this a different song did we end the last song no because there's 30 minutes of it <laughs> so i thought it, it was a very move moving <laughs> move movement ish it's diverse there yes so let me highlight a, a moment from the uh opening that i enjoyed Go. Right, i feel like this this is good musicianship <laughs> <laughs> That that guitar lick was good. <laughs> like, so with Dream Theater and Liquid Tension Experiment, other mm. progressive rock albums that we've listened to, I feel like there's an emphasis on showmanship, you know? Like mm -hmm. they they noodle guitar noodling, you know? Yes. Like they're they're definitely like going very uh like virtuoso, you know, in, in a lot of ways, right? I feel like this album doesn't show off quite as much as this as those albums did. Mm -hmm. Th this one is like I don't feel like, like they're showing off to an extent, but it's mostly just like, I don't know. It's it's not as like flashy. Yeah, I think it's like it, it kind of feels more chill in that like, yeah, we could we could do more to be like, oh, but this takes its own kind of skill. Yeah. You it, know, it, to make something that everyone shines in, but that is also just really listenable. Yeah, I feel like it's very like it's low key. It's restrained. Restrained, yes, but at the same time, it's still beautiful. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I like that that moment, like where it's just kind of like very like mellow. And yeah, it's just like you know a very simple thing. But it, it was like simple, but then you could tell that there was a lot of skill involved. But it was very pleasant. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of beauty in restraint, in knowing like I could go there and I won't. Like that's hot. Like yeah. <laughs> come on. And then every so often, like Roy, 
like every once in a while, Roy Stolt will like pull out like a really nice guitar lick. And I'm mm. like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that's nice because you don't get overwhelmed. You can just be like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And yeah. Like, Whoa. Go back. It's, do it it's again. very jazzy in a lot of ways, honestly. Yeah. Like either cla- like it has it feels like like classical music influence mm. or like jazz, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of jazz fusion. I have, I'll, I'll highlight some jazz fusion portions a little later, but, uh, and one, one other point about the music I want to highlight is, uh, I want to throw out some old school progressive rock, uh, sounds. Okay. Like I, I heard this and I was like, that sounds like some, some old school seventies progressive rock, which is like what they're trying to mm-hmm. capture. I do specifically remember this part and liking it. That is, that it was like you hear that and it was like that could sound like a Yes album, like that. It's so like the band Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what that sounds like, or um, even Sticks to a, to a lesser degree, you know. But like that, that right there, that's. Old school progressive <laughs> rock. It, a lot of it sounded like that, you know, uh, where it was like, you know, like it, it had a rock and roll, like, you know, guitar kind of, go, you, it sounded like an acoustic guitar, I guess, you know, or, or this is kind of strumming or whatever, right? Oh, it was I, just like, mm-hmm. you know, just a little bit of piano accompaniment, you know, some keyboards, right? It was like not f- super in your face, but it was just, I don't know. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I liked it. The it uh... Or Rush, that sounded like a little bit like Rush too, you know? But uh, do you want to you want to talk about some lyrics? Um, because you're a lyric person. I am a lyric kind of lady. Um, I want to first, kids. <laughs> I know. I feel like okay, honey. I feel like for all of our music episodes recently, it's been like, ah, let's talk about how sad I was. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like a lot of musicians are sad. This is true, artists. I. This is true. So I just want you to know, when I was going over these lyrics and stuff, I was, kids, I was in a little bit of a dark place. I'm not trying to be sad every time we have a music episode. I just, ha- it just happens to coincide. I feel like this, <laughs> this, this song specifically, all the above, deals with emotional, like, journeys in general, right? I feel yeah. like whoever the speaker of this song is, they go through an emotional journey at the start, you know? Yeah. They start high, they go low. They go high again. This song feels like a full circle to me, right? Um, yes. So the the, the first mu- the first movement uh, of the song, and we've been listening to portions of it, is called "Full Moon Rising." Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's hear him get into the lyrics, and then we'll talk about them. The thing that is 12% different about this album than your other albums is the vocals. 
That is Neil Morse. Uh, the, the, the guy. <laughs> the man himself. Yep. The Morse himself. The, the Spock beard himself. <laughs> uh, he's got a, uh, a lovely voice. Wow. It sounds like I'm being mean and demeaning, but I'm just saying it. This is different in that I can actually understand the he, words his, that it, are being said. And typically in your music, one of the reasons we go over it with lyrics is because I can't hear the words. His voice is very clean, like yes. production wise. It's yes. clean. You know, he's not screaming. He's not like doing like a heavy metal uh, like shout or, you know, there's not a lot of like effects on his voice. Right. It's it's clean. Yes. And you just you were trying like when we were listening to in the car, you were trying to describe <laughs> uh, in words what his voice sounded like. And, and you can't you lifted off a bunch of them. And like, <laughs> I think a lot of them had to do with the fact that he's trying to sound like the folks in the 70s. Did. Yeah. You know, where it wasn't about a lot of effects. It was just mm -hmm. like, you know, a dude in the studio sang his song. Not too, you know, not too fancy. Not all these bells and whistles. It was yeah. Just, you know, clean vocals. Yeah. I did say a lot of words. I won't repeat them here. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice. It's refreshing. It's um, in sync-esque. It, it's not. <laughs> They uh, do some vocal. They do some harmonizing here and there. Yeah, the other, the other guys hop in. But yeah, I would say it's more Beatles than than the other one. <laughs> uh, but Full Moon Rising, like I think that the, that name of the movement gave me the idea that you know, uh, and the first few lines of the song or the, that movement, in a state of fallen grace with a smile upon its face, it came, new moon rising today. Right. It, it reminded me of the phases of the moon, mm -hmm. right? Think of, you know, yeah, you got your full moon, it wanes, new moon, waxes, new yeah. moon, F full moon. <laughs> anyway, phases of the moon. That, that, it's like cycles, right? Oh. It's just like emotions. Like you can start high and then you get sad and then you get, you know, happy again. New, yeah. new day, new new millennium even. <laughs> um, or or the seasons, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, summertime, it's it, the sun's bright and sunny, sunny and <laughs> happy. <laughs> Smile upon your face. Unless you're in London. <laughs> and then, and then you know, the leaves fall. Mm -hmm. It gets autumn time. It gets dark and, and sad. Yeah. And, and wet and cold <laughs> in the winter time. In California. <laughs> and then the springtime comes and it starts all over again. I yeah. feel like this song is all about cycles. Yeah. That, that's my interpretation. What are you, what are you thinking? Mm. At least on... I think it's really interesting. Uh, another reason I think I like to do them separately is because listening to him sing with it, it gives me a lot of hopeful double rainbow in the sky <laughs> feels. The first movement he, is very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess when I when you when I read it without music, because again, kids, I was in a dark place <laughs> this morning when I read these. Um, I I was like feels a little bit like more questiony. It's like really interesting how music and tone can change everything. Um, and then like for the first movement, I just had like silly questions, right? Because right after it talks about like full moon rising today, it goes like a child, but fully grown. And I put an adult, <laughs> like a star, but not far, not so far away. A fire? <laughs> it came here to take me away. An abduction? That, 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 that stands <laughs> specifically reminded me of the stick song come sail away <laughs> which is a song it sounds like it's about a sailor who's going to be sailing off away but at the end of the song aliens come out and abduct him <laughs> so yes i also thought that but hey that's in line with 
progressive rock acts of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Come Sail Away, Sticks. That's a, that's a progressive rock nice. classic. Aliens coming so, to save us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say the, I don't know if this is considered the chorus, but the next verse or the next stanza after that is something that's sort of repeated a little bit later and closer to the end, uh, which it's, says. Because it's a reprise. It, right. Because it's the reprise. Um, uh, this has never been before. While the sun burns bright as day, light the sky, hold back no more. Let the full moon rise today. Full, my, full moon rising today. I said, feels like spell work. <laughs> like, and at the end I was like, yeah, that's witchcraft. I think it was just like wonderment in, yeah. in nature, you know, like, like a child, but not like a child, but fully grown. I feel like, I don't know, rediscovering your childlike amazement mm -hmm. of, uh, just the world around you, you know? Yeah. As I, I feel like we, we do that sometimes, you know, like sometimes I, like I look up and I was like, man, it's nature's cool. <laughs> I don't know. You just take it for granted for so long. And sometimes you have to find a childlike amazement again. Yeah. And I want you to, like, I'm not saying this is witchcraft. This is, why would you listen to this music? But I was just like, ah, feels like spell work. Like, not in a bad way. Just the, like, uh, I think that the connecting with nature in that way, I, I like it. I think it's, it's, it also just makes me think of, I think while reading it, it makes me think about, being able to see the moon yeah. at like six o'clock in the morning or noon even just like, ah, there's the moon right next to the sun. I think we're on an alien planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that's supposed to work. We're rotating. Right. And yeah, I, I was just like, oh yeah, it brings to mind that very specific thing where it's just kind of like, you think that the moon is supposed to only be there when it's dark and at night, but like that doesn't necessarily ring true. Right. And so there's some stuff that I think that we can, think as emotionally as we go into some stuff or just in how we live our lives that it's like well this isn't supposed to happen now like this isn't supposed to come up like when I'm in a good phase or when I'm with people I love and da da da, da. but like mm, it can still be there very obvious not just hidden you know so yeah. I don't know I just thought it was it's, to me it's just like it's I, I'm connecting more with like just the emotional mm -hmm. feeling of the song and it's like this movement it's very joyous. Yeah. So it's like that's the starting point, right? The start. Mm -hmm. Whoever this this person is that they're describing, right? Wherever they're going to go, uh, they're starting at this point. It's high, you know. They're starting at a, at a high point, right? Mm -hmm. it's like think of the Lego Movie, you know. Uh, <laughs> the, what's that opening number that in the everything Lego is awful. <laughs> everything is awesome. This is the everything, everything is awesome. Everything is awful when it's falling apart. <laughs> I don't know the actual lyrics because that's all everything I understand. is. Everything is awesome when you're part of a team. That's probably it. I'm just saying, like, that's the we're in the joyous part of this person's emotional journey, and uh, then we, we get we get to see where it, where it takes him after that. You know? Whereas I'm like, what is joy? Nothing looks like joy. <laughs> this is why you're the optimist in this relationship. Where you want? We can get darker. You want to move on to the next one? Go like, ahead. The next movement is called October Winds.
Like it's it's still not sad, but it is slowing down a little bit. It's yeah. getting a little bit more contemplative. Yeah. Oh, it sounds a little bit more melancholic, but yeah, not completely. Yeah, the music's starting to reflect that, yeah. So uh, to me, like October winds like paints a picture to me. It's like, you know, when I think October, I think of like autumn in its fullest, mm-hmm. right? Like, so when I think of like the seasons, right, we've moved from the summertime where it's bright and happy to the fall where, you know, it's getting a little bit more melancholic, mm-hmm. right? We, we haven't reached the full cooler, winter yet. Darker, Nothing's dead yet. <laughs> you know, not everything's not, dead yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's again, I don't know if this is the point of the song, but mm-hmm. that that's what it makes me feel. Yeah, I absolutely see that. I can definitely hear it again, right? Like when I divorce it from the music and I just read it, right? It gives off different vibes, which is why seeing a heart art as its whole is important. But you can also like pull things from seeing it as separates. Um, but I definitely agree, right? I think it's interesting as we transition from um, this like happier tone into this like slower, more contemplative one, as you've said, uh, that we go to thinking about childhood, right? Uh, because I think it's it's I think it's a really smart move uh, lyrically because when adults think back to childhood, yeah, it's like ha- it's always tinged with nostalgia, right? And yeah. nostalgia is a negative. It, yeah. It's a negative. Like the classical definition of nostalgia. Yeah, where it's just like, oh man, those were good times. Like even if you're having good times now, like the the loss of like your childhood of freedom, not even knowing, like as an adult, knowing like that you actually had freedom during that time, you know, it makes it like, uh, but I think even the verse right before that in the thing that's still happy is saying like, oh, I'm looking at the moon and I'm doing all these things, but it's like, I sit here with my complaints and the comfort of my restraints. I stayed, I stay, uh, and had nothing to say. Like, it's still like one of those things where it's like, I'm happy, but it's also like still bringing up the like issue. Yeah. And then from that, like happy tone, talking about our issues, then it goes into this melancholic remembrance of childhood and of how like summer left. And then we're in October. Yep. And it um, even, it, 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 I, I had forgotten that these were part of the lyrics, but it even says that autumn wind came creeping in one day. Now summer's gone away. Summer's gone away. Hey. <laughs> hey, get back here, summer. <laughs> um, and when October winds lay down, when the heat can't melt the ground. And nothing matters anyway. <laughs> nothing matters anyway. I feel like that. Now he's getting sad. Yes. The optimism is starting to melt away. not sad we're thinking about it we're thinking about being sad right and that, that it's like it perfectly fits within that autumn mode or the, like the waning of the moon you know mm-hmm. that's that's why i was thinking about that the last time we listened to it but it's just like you know the the fullness of the moon is now starting to go away you know yeah. it's sort of like you're, look, you're t- looking at things like half half measure right mm-hmm. Has uh glass half empty kind of thinking I feel like we're still three quarters if we're in October. Okay, okay. Three, three, I, I can I can dig it. Yeah. I but think... I am... He's feeling without mm-hmm. all the same. Yes. 
uh, I think in, in bringing back the idea of childhood, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that you do miss. I even, right? Like I think that uh, when we look back at our childhood, we do, you do this often, right? You specifically, my love, where we'll drive stuff. Ah, I remember when there was nothing here. What? They're tearing that down. Oh man, no hotels. Like, <laughs> you, you like have that like bittersweet, but harder on the side of bitter. When you look back down, like not angry and stuff, but yeah. like bitter remembrance of like what things used to be like in this kind of simpler time, quote unquote. I think that even some of these things, like when I think about like uh, my youth, I guess when I think about like, oh yeah, when I was young, I'll think about like times when my dad was around or different things like that, where it's just kind of like, you can be like really happy and stuff and like, oh my gosh, I want to tell you this story that was really great when I was a kid, this and this, and it just brings you to the things you've lost, right? Be that childhood, be that friends be that a home that you grew up in a parent you know like so I think it's like one of those things where you're like ah, oh, it's still far enough away that it's not as sad as it was when I I realized I had lost it in the instant but it's still like a little bit of a heavier thing and that's why I really like the sort of like the next part I don't know if it's in this movement or not um but the next like three stanzas I, I thought were really interesting because <laughs> I'm a sad boy. And, oh, and, <laughs> and we're talking about the third movement, yes. which we'll talk about in just a second. That's when the the, the speaker of the song is at the most sad. Um, but before we jump in there, there are a few musical things I wanted to oh, highlight on in uh, October Winds. I want to highlight uh, what I think is a Pink Floyd uh, tribute. Give it. Oh, yeah. The, the guitar in that moment where it kind of slowed down for a little while and they just had like, you know, some like very like steady piano chords mm -hmm. mixed with like that guitar. That guitar sound specifically is totally Pink Floyd. Dark Side of the Moon, um, Animals reminded me of that. You know? Yeah. Echoes. Some, some of my best. <laughs> An some echo of, of Pink Floyd. Some of the best Pink Floyd songs out there. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> anyway. So as we talked about, we can jump into the third movement, which is called Camouflaged in Blue. Yes. Um, can I just read the first three stanzas without Before, interruption? Yeah. I just want you to hear the words that I'm going to say, and then we can play it so you can hear them in the music. But I just want to, these words. <clears throat> Dead on your feet, you walk like no one's home. Out on the street, you make your way alone. Soldier of fortune, camouflaged in blue. Dawn turns to dusk. You sail away in doubt. Love turns to lust. You've turned it inside out. Soldier of fortune, camouflaged in blue. But I know you. All that you are is not things you do. You know it's true. All that you are is camouflaged in blue. You know it's true.
your your sadness. It's like that that that's that's the music. That's the soundtrack for someone who's walking alone at night, you know, looking for a friend, <laughs> like Michael Jackson used to do. <laughs> Sorry, but Terrible like I, honestly, no. When when I take when I take walks alone at night, sometimes I feel melancholic, just like this, you know, just kind of like, you know, what 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 am I doing? You know, I don't know. It just seems listless and sad to me. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I. I have very different feelings when I walk alone in the dark, but what you're saying makes sense. <laughs> no, I think that I, I, but I agree, right? Like you, everything in the tone of the music really just shifts with it. Like this feels very right. Uh, and especially like it coming from this place of like the lines just before this is uh, <laughs> when you're down in that dark, on that dark, dank road, maybe nothing matters. <laughs> and then, very slow, very dead on your feet. You walk like no one's home. You come to the realization that, man, yeah, maybe maybe things aren't as good as I thought they were. Yeah, like when you like think too hard on the like, oh, man, it was better in the old days. And you don't at all really like count your blessings like for what that means, right? Like count the things in your life that are going well. And sometimes that's hard, right? Like even if you have stuff going on, it's hard sometimes to see the good if you're just legitimately in a bad place <laughs> uh if you are chemically imbalanced if you are stressed beyond belief if you it's hard uh and i enjoy i enjoy that's a word for this <laughs> i <laughs> think appreciate? that i do appreciate it i think when i was so just walking through how i was reading this right so when i first read it uh i underlined soldier of fortune camouflaged in blue and question marked it because i was like what does that mean Whatever, I'm going to keep going. And the next lines after that is, dawn turns to dusk, you sail away in doubt, love turns to lust, you've turned it inside out. And I just checkmarked that because I was like, that sounds excellent. That's a great set of lines. Like, I just really like that. And then it comes to all that you are is not the things you do. And I felt that deeply in my soul, we will return to it. And then we come back to camouflage. All that you are is camouflaged in blue. And I double underline that. And then again, it says it one more line down, soldier fortune camouflage in blue. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to look up <laughs> what the significance of blue is. Well, blue is sad. But yeah, but I was like, it has to be more than that. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. But with all the things that are happening in here, I'm like, mm, let me just see like yeah, what yeah, other things to, are. I'm curious. Um, so first I wanted to look up like blue camouflage. Like, what is this? And, urban camouflage? Yeah, right. And so the color combo is for urban violent. Urban environments where most fighting takes place. The choice of blue con uh is to contrast against the gray of buildings, yep. but not too dark like black. And hearing that, right, like this urban camouflage, this urban colors, when you're like, I'm walking around in town and I'm dead on my feet like no one's home, camouflaged in blue, right? So not just like, oh, I'm sad, but- Unnoticed. Even. I'm unnoticed mm. because I'm making everything seem fine. Like you just got to get through, like, let's be honest. How many times do I have to say like, I don't have- I don't have the time or the space to have a breakdown right now. 
I'm involved in too many things. Like if I break down, lots of things are going to fall apart for people who are not me. So I just need to get through it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and like being like soldier of fortune, camouflaged in blue. Like someone who has it good, who you're set up. Your life is good. Like, do I have stuff to complain about in my life? Everyone does. But like, I'm doing well. Like we are doing well in a lot of areas. I am fortunate. I'm still camouflaged in blue. <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't look this up. And um, And it's like, and then I just went on just like, okay, let me just color theory. What is blue, right? So the, and blue, yeah, sure. We do say sad, but in different color theories represents both sky and the sea and is associated with open spaces, freedom, intuition, imagination, inspiration, and sensitivity. Blue also represents meanings of depth, trust, loyalty, sincerity, wisdom, confidence, uh, stability, faith, and intelligence. Uh, because blue is favored by so many people, it is often viewed as a non-threatening color that can seem conservative and traditional. Blue calls to mind the feelings of calmness or serenity uh, and is often described as peaceful, tranquil, secure, and orderly. Blue is often seen as a sign of stability and reliability. When I tell you, I felt called out. <laughs> like, like when you're like, yeah, I'm camouflaged in the strength. I'm camouflaged in the, like, this calmness. Like It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, I never thought that would happen to this person because you literally put on a show so that it's not affecting everyone else. That to be said, one of the lines that I was like, oh, I hate that, <laughs> is dead on your feet, you walk like no one's home. And I said, is this saying like you're not thinking of anything? or that there's literally no one waiting for you because this comes right after we talk about being a child and having the, great times. The, the, that's the, this song like, or this movement made me think isolation or feeling isolated. Right? Yeah. You know, and I, that, that, I feel like that's a very human thing to feel. Yeah. Michael Jackson felt it. No, but like even Pink Floyd, I, I'm thinking. <laughs> Michael Jackson is prime human. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking like Pink Floyd's The Wall was all about mm -hmm. like isolation. Oh, sometimes like self isolation right yeah like self-induced isolation right like cutting yourself off from people and it's like when you're in depression i feel like you do that you build walls up against you know, between you and people you know love me some walls and, and sometimes you feel powerless it's like i want to build connections with people but i am unable to you yeah. know either because i you know sabotaged myself or uh i feel pow you know like yeah you just I, I just feel unable yeah know, because of, because of other people i don't know Mm, it, for all, it could be so yeah. many reasons, yeah. you know? And I think that like, even this line that's like directly in the middle of all of these stanzas of this blue period of this October. Blue period. Of this, <laughs> of this yeah, camouflage in blue, camouflage in all these things is all the things you are is not the things you do. I wish they like had repeated it, right? Like, because it feels very much like a, a call out. I think out. they do. I think that that's the thing where it feels like this whole uh, measure, this whole movement is caught up in, right? Like, yeah. in, again, like I've like looked up stuff, right? And just like blue, it means sad. But like thinking about how it's supposed to be like, oh, you're the steady, you're the calm, 
uh, you blend in, you're getting the things done and it's saying all the things that you do with, you know, all that you are is not the things you do, you know, just say, but then it key and you know, it's true and you're camouflaged in blue and there's no one waiting at home. But I know, you know, like <laughs> these kinds of things where it's just kind of like, hey, 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 maybe hear this, you know, and I don't want to. <laughs> so that that line, all that you are is not the things you do, uh, reminded me of a, a quote from a certain Disney Channel original movie called Brink. Leave, <laughs> Sorry. leave this table. <laughs> no, where the, the dad in Brink tells his son, job is what you do, not who you are, you know, and like I. I I rem like I, I thought about that quote, you know, uh, the last couple of years, and I feel very validated by that feeling, you mm -hmm. know, because like people put way too much value in themselves based on what they do for a living. Capitalistic you know? system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, nah, that's yeah. that's our other podcast. It's like kids. the question is like, oh, what do you do? You know, are, are you a lawyer, a doctor, a cashier at the at the supermarket? Like what? Like what are you? And that is how you are ranked amongst yeah. other people. When it's like that's not. Like, you know, I feel like that's that's not how it we shouldn't. should be. Yeah, that's not how we should be classifying people. It's like yeah. that because what someone does for a living is not who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not. It's it's how they make money, you know, and it's like a person is way more like there's so much more depth to a person than just like what they do to earn a living. You yeah, know? to be alive. <laughs> right. So the, the term soldier of fortune, which is a phrase I've heard countless times. Mm hmm. Um, and I've never really looked up like what the definition is. I've kind of like assumed. Google right? it now. I did. So <laughs> what it is, it's it, it's it traditional. It's traditionally it's meant to describe a mercenary. Soldier fortunate is mm. someone who oh that makes sense earns their living as a soldier. You know for for hire. Yes. You know they 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 work for anybody. You know it's a mercenary. Uh, so <laughs> I can understand like being in being in a dark place like the speaker of this song is right. You know just feeling alone or isolated and. Of just feeling lost, mm. right? Um, un unsure of where they're going, you know, yeah. directionless. If you, if you, uh, let's say, like for your whole life, you're meant to like value like the type of work that you do. You know, everyone goes to school so they can go to college so they can get a good job, right? Like that's just hammered home into people, right? Yeah, in, in, in yeah, American society, yes, based on what we know. Um, what happens when that person does not feel fulfilled? by the work they do. And they just feel like I, I've just been like toiling away for like no reason. You know, I feel empty with what I've been toiling for, even though I've been told this is what I need to do. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, how, what, what's that person going to feel like? And I feel like they captured it. It's like, yeah. you know, a person may come to the realization that it's like, you're more than what you do, you know? And I feel like you need to get out of the soldier of fortune mentality or, or like, I don't know. I feel like the speaker of the song feels like a soldier of fortune. Mm -hmm. It feels like I've just been working to earn a living and that's it. I have like no emotional attachment to what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like no conclusions to make on that, but it's just <laughs> kind of like this indeterminate, just like wrestling about it's literally the one's relation to what they produce. <laughs> yeah. It's just that sometimes it beats that way. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, but that, that's the blue period. Oh, uh, before we move into the next section, I also promised some jazz fusion, which I have. You know.
I, I love jazz fusion. I, like when, <laughs> I love when jazz and rock come together to make something. Just want to point that out. Um, I, I don't sing the praises of jazz fusion enough on this podcast. <laughs> jazz fusion, it's good stuff. Mm. Um, but also, what the heck is that? Do-do-do-do-do. Oh, I now realize what that reminds me of. Cowboy Bebop? No, oh. it reminds me of the NWA theme song. <laughs> We listened to it in the car yesterday and I was like, what does that remind me of? And it just hit me just now. It's the NWO theme song from WCW. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. But yes, that's some good stuff. It's got the street organ. It's good. Anyway, the next movement in the song is called Half Alive, which I feel like, you know. That's the name of a band I like. Does that denote you think moving closer to being happy again or staying in the sad mode, half alive? Depends on if you're if you're a pessimist or enough. Maybe it's like right in the middle, right? It, this is the the point where it's you know it's it's half empty or half full. It really yep. depends on what you feel. Yep. So anyway, let's let's hear how that starts. I feel musically the song is picking back up. So, you know, I, I think the speaker of the song is definitely trying to improve his disposition. He didn't need to use the word skank. <laughs> he, he did use the word skank in there. I literally wrote unnecessary. <laughs> so what do you make of a Half Alive as a movement? Less interesting because it's not as sad. <laughs> um, kind of reminds me of uh, resolutions, like New Year's resolutions, you know, like maybe... Oh, it's just like, hey, I need to change my life. Here's here are like the practical steps I'm going to do to change my life. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people they don't fulfill those things. You nope. know, they don't, they don't carry on, carry uh, carry through. But uh, it's like, don't just sit there wasting your time on the phone, right? That, literally, when I read that, I was like, did they have phone? Oh, it's it's two thousand. <laughs> don't be with that skank because it hurts to be alone. Yes, mm. I was like, hey, charged language aside, I understand the sentiment. Don't be with someone who. Like just because it sucks to be alone, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 be with a toxic person just for the sake of, you know, having companionship. I don't I don't know who this skank is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of uh, person she is. I don't either. But it feels like what they're saying is, oh, she slept with other people before. Shut up. Not just like maybe she oh, cheated she on him. Her. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, don't know. Don't be with that unfaithful because eh, it was 2000. I can't like, I can't, I can reprimand, but I'm not going to be like, eh, 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 eh. it was the language. I used that word in 2000. So <laughs> anyway, that, that's, that's what this reminds me yeah. of. New Year's resolution. So, you know, we're still in the winter time, but we're looking forward to the next phase. We right? can see, we can see spring on the horizon. Yeah. We can see the new moon rising today. Oh gosh. Not yet. Not yet. Soon. I think it definitely is a pickup. I I, I want to say right, like even though the second movement was called October Winds, this is, n- and it is in four parts. It's not necessarily following the more traditional like. Uh, it's not following specifically sp- seasons. No. So this part where it's it's like one of those things where you're just kind of like, come on, you're right. Like it's a, a resolution. Like. Let's do this. Like, I've been sad too long. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in my blue period. Like, all right, what do I need to do to change? Like, I I see that as well. 
Um, <laughs> there's a line. This is stupid. The line's not stupid. What I did was stupid. There's a line that says one flew south, one flew east, one, one went to the west. And I put one flew south, one to the east, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> because I'm a nerd, but like, uh, you became in the next, you became the enemy just to be the best, waiting for your dream to arrive. You're whole and you're complete, but you're half alive. And this kind of like soberly judging like yourself. Evaluating yourself. Yes. Yeah. For soberly like evaluating where you are. Just the thing I said, like we don't, we legit just like when we're in dark places, don't count our good news, right? Like the things that are actually going right because we're so ob obsessed with what isn't going right. And that this part is saying like, hey, yeah, you're doing really good in your in your chosen field, this place, you're like, you are the best, but in becoming the best, you've become the enemy of everyone, right? Like you've stepped on people. You've, you've made this like the ends justify the means. Yeah. And that's not necessarily what you want. And like waiting for your dream to arrive, uh, you, uh, have done not good things. <laughs> I, also, this is a person who it says, and you swarm around like bees on a hive. It, it, it repeats that phrase. You say, you look like a man full but you're half alive, mm -hmm. right? You repeat that a few times, but it's like you've been toiling away, presumably to make your dreams come true, right, right? right? As it says there, but you're still not fulfilled, right? And I yeah. feel like that's that's that like you know deep hu human feeling that people have, where it's like I, I feel empty despite all I've done, everything I've created and worked for, all the things I've received, I still feel empty. Yeah. And I think the, what what do I do? Yeah, I think that's exactly what you were saying at the the end of the last part. Yeah, that, that like, um, okay, well, I've done everything you said to do to be good, to be happy. And the last time I remember being happy, I was in that town as a kid. <laughs> you know, like this is why people write songs about <laughs> what what do you call them? The like old home the photograph songs that are just like, yeah. look at this photograph, and um. Because it, it is like, okay, well, how do I get back to that? But I think we yeah. also like idealize, right? Like our childhood, like there definitely weren't great things. It's just that you were more ignorant than you are as an adult. Um, but yeah, this thing, this thing of like, okay, then what's the answer? Yeah. And, and like the, the tone of the song is much more uplifting mm -hmm. than the last movement was. So I feel like the, the hope is you're able to articulate how you feel now, you know? Therapy. There's, there's like... I don't know, a comfort or an excitement and able to like identify why you're at least feeling the way you are, you mm -hmm. know, and you have like, I don't know, like a mission. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. You know? No, no, that makes yeah. sense. I think it, it's, um, I don't know. There's like a re refound, like a, a, a renewed energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it would say it, it, it's, it's the renewed energy, but I think it's a lot of the, oh, what is it? The wanting to make the change, you know? Yeah. The wanting to, um, it's almost like the excitement of just about to like burn it all down, right? Where where you're like, I know that sounds negative, but like, because, but 
in the the very real sense, like I've done everything you said that I was supposed to. You, you, you are 30 years older than me. You said you found happiness and this is the way to do it. And those people say like, well, I mean, it's not happiness. It's just like you're secure. And that's what I was training you for. And you as a person are like, well, that's not what I want. That's I mean, not emotionally fulfilling. That's not fulfilling. And being able to be at this place where you're just like, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm a, I'm a buy, uh, I'm a buy a van. I'm going to renovate it. I'm going to live in a van. I'm going to go around <laughs> like, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, like van life. Oh, sounds so great. I can't live in a tiny space, but sometimes it's like, yes, take that freedom, make the blue in you actually represent this freedom and this wide open spaces and you being secure in and of yourself and where you are. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like the music is leading to this, like this, like, I'm, I'm trash right now. Like I'm doing all the things you say that I should do and I'm making this money or I'm, I'm succeeding in my education. I'm doing these things and I hate it. I do, I do not feel alive. I do not feel fulfilled. And you're saying this is how you feel and this is what you told me to work towards? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think that that's why it's a little bit more like, I, I don't think it's like up it's somewhere between upbeat, the music's somewhere between upbeat and aggressive. Yeah. Like that yeah. it's, it's working that. towards that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw something out there and then I'm going to put a pin in it. Cause we'll talk about it maybe later. Maybe. Uh, but uh, this, this movement sounds like it was written by someone who's looking for Jesus <laughs> or, or, or looking for some kind of spiritual fulfillment oh, yeah. that all other aspects of their life have not given them. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you about that in another song. Uh, good yes <laughs> good yeah which a pin in, put a pin in that uh want to talk about the next movement though yeah the next movement is called undying love very pretty yeah it's very pretty i was like you mentioned living the van life right but he's talking <laughs> about like visiting the venus de milo which i believe is a paint or a, a statue right mm -hmm. a sculpture yes the woman with no arms it's right venus i presume that's in italy oh, i don't know i'm just guessing <laughs> but, it, but it, it it reminds me of someone who's like you know trying to find their way in the world you know mm -hmm. maybe the, you know someone who is just like lost spiritually and they just like i'm, I'm just gonna travel i'm gonna travel the world i'm gonna i'm gonna you know, experience yeah. life, right? If I'm going to get away from it all, right? That That's what this reminds me of, like going on like some kind of globetrotting journey to find yourself. <laughs> mm, I want the funds to do that. <laughs> I One of the things that I really enjoy in this movement is this like callback to one of the things I had said earlier about the walking uh, dead on your feet like no one's home. Uh, the line I did like it's a whole stanza that I just circled and checkmarked. <laughs> uh, suddenly you stop because your feet just won't walk like there's someone awaiting. Suddenly you stop because your feet just won't walk like there's someone awaiting. The moon seems alive and looks down on your life just to say. And undying love will reign. 
And I was just like, oh, the catharsis in that, you know, like that felt good. <laughs> I, I, I highlighted that one too. I just think that it book ending this, this kind of like really sad, depressive uh, blue period episode. Yeah. Like ending the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the blue episode with the like tiny riot of the third movement of being fourth, like fourth one. of the fourth. Yeah. Sorry. The tiny riot of the fourth movement being like, fine. Like we're going to do what we're going to do. And like you said, right? Like I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do these things that I feel like might actually bring me joy. And you stop because in doing these things and finding your bliss <laughs> for lack of a better word, like there are people in your life. You stop because someone is actually waiting for you. Like you're not just moving from moment to moment. Um, in doing the things that like in finding the things you love and doing the things you love, you meet people who also love doing those things and you build a community, Yeah, you know, and that like is what it feels like is happening here. And I felt like really happy about that uh, because it's those two lines. Uh, and then it's followed by the moon seems alive and it looks down on your life just to say it's all right. That's my, that's the one that's like connected with me. I was like, I feel like, for the speaker of this song, like looking up at the moon, it's almost like a like a Rorschach test or mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a kind of a reflection of their emotional, you know, state at the time when they look at it. Right. Right. Where like it doesn't like it doesn't actually represent anything, but it's like how they see it. Right. It's like what they interpret from the moon at that moment is how they're feeling. Right. Or it's based on yeah what their emotional state is at the time. So like at this point when they're starting to feel hopeful. Right. Again. Finally, right? They look up at the moon and like the moon's just telling them, hey, it's all right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't know. There's a comfort in that. You know, yeah. it's like someone, a lot of people, they're just looking for that. It's like just, they, they want to be hugged and told, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a good old hug. You need to be told it's okay. And then you're the, doing a good job, buddy. The kind of refrain of this movement is innocence and undying love will reign. Mm -hmm. Is the return to innocence, right? But not in the, childhood innocence that's gone now but in like a i don't know newfound like mature innocence yeah. and and undying right yeah still finding the wonder in the world like not just being jaded like yeah i've seen the moon before yeah but have you seen it on a starry night in joshua tree have you seen it from the rooftop uh in dubai have you seen it you know yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing have you embraced the innocence of like not having to like toil endlessly because you're told that's what grownups do, right? But it's like this, like, innocent, I don't know, like this. <laughs> it is what grownups do. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's an innocence in, like, hey, like, that's not all that life is. Yeah. You know, is is that, mm -hmm. right? It's like, yeah, there's responsibilities and, and things you need to take care of. But, like, life is not all, like, what the grown-up thing to do. Right? Yeah. It's not all what life is. There's an innocence and undying love that we need to value, too. There's a box of chocolates. Feel like we're taking a journey i just want to say kids i'm sorry that we started off with the song this was my doing i told you do you want to jump in the deep end and you said why yes. did we do this you did it well, you know we started uh recording at 3 45 <laughs> <laughs> we we're not even done with the first song yet nope but uh the song goes full circle mm -hmm. in a way i think a new a new a new perspective right mm -hmm. same 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 movement new perspective because we got Full Moon Rising reprise. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, we're right back into it. Full moon rising today. Yeah, so I, I don't have a whole lot to say because it's kind of the same lyrics as yeah. the first. But it's just, I enjoy that the song kind of restarts on itself. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's how life is, right? Life is a bunch of cycles, you know? Yeah. We go through emotional cycles. We we physically go through cycles yeah. with years and seasons and phases of the moon, right? <laughs> phases of life. But like, I don't know, with each new rotation, like there's, I don't know, new wisdom that's been developed yeah as you get to the new one you kind of reflect on that so yeah that's what that reminds me of you have anything to say about this one as a whole or this <laughs> either you know as we, as we wrap up the song <sighs> i know i just complained about doing this first but i was like i don't think i would have had energy at the end to do the <laughs> do the justice to this that it needed um no i think that it you're right right like we do have so many cycles and sometimes we just gotta we got to wait for that third day, right? Like it's really bad. It's really bad. But like hoping and believing that like there is going to be an end to this moroseness, the sadness, this justified anger, this, these things, right? Like where you're going to be able to find happiness again. And even though sometimes on the other side of that happiness, we go through other phases of sadness, right? Like that we need to like live for and breathe in and and really hang into those uh, times when the full moon is rising today. I agree. <laughs> so uh, all of the above, we're, we're done. Because, uh, all right, kids, we'll see you in the next <laughs> no, segment. No, it's, it's about, like the, the song ends with like five minutes of instrumental. I just want to point that out because I would say, even though we've been talking a long time about this one song, we probably scratched, just scratched the surface. We probably talked collectively maybe 10 minutes of a 30-minute song. So I recommend listening to the whole thing because it is a, a musical journey. But anyway, uh, let's go. Let's take a break in the shallow end of the pool for a little while. Yeah. Uh, the next song we're going to talk about is a short one. Yes. It's called We All Need Some Light. <laughs> You can tell this one's going to have a lot of uh, acoustic guitar, <laughs> very folksy. Um, I would argue that this is Transatlantic's Wish You Were Here or Hey You in the Pink Floyd vein. This, this seems like a Pink Floyd, their, their tribute to Pink hey Floyd specifically. You. Well, that's Jude. <laughs> hey, you see, hey, Jude. No. <laughs> hey, you. Yes. Out there in the cold. Yeah. In Moscow. No, no. <laughs> So I, I do think it's necessary to point out that uh, all of the lyrics on all of these songs, minus one for a reason, uh, were written by Neil Morse, the singer. Okay, so he a, lo- a lot of what he sings about here on this album uh, were his own musings. May- maybe he was going through some emotional <laughs> uh, journeys of his own. Oh, Neil. Yeah, so this song is also written by him. All right. And uh, what, what's your take on We All Need Some Light? The Christian vibes are strong with this <laughs> one. <laughs> You, I mean, even with just the title. <laughs> you even said when we were listening to it, like this guy gives me some like Christian singer vibes. Yeah, it gives me some like Switchfoot. I'd be feeling some Reliant K up in here. I love, I love Reliant K. We may or may not be talking about Reliant K in about ten years, kids. <laughs> so I don't want to jump the gun too much, but 
I believe at the time, Neil Morse was not a Christian. Oh, okay. So just want to point that out. But something tells me he was he was seeking something. He was looking <laughs> for something in his life. <laughs> he was looking for some like spiritual fulfillment in Did his he life. Find it. Uh, we'll see. Huh. But uh, yeah, well, what's what's your take on this like song? I I, I think like the 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 title alone should give you an idea of what what the song kind of talks about. Honestly, right? Like I didn't write a lot of notes for the song because it was it was very much like oh yeah okay this is feeling very much like like of the one two three four five six seven of the seven verses are stanza of the seven stanzas three of them are chorus. <laughs> And they're about needing light. <laughs> and so that's very strong. And it kind of like lays out a bunch of different types of people who need light in yeah. their life. You know, it's just like, man, these people are lost or, you know, kind of shrouded in darkness. Yes. They, they need some light. Yes. Like, I think it's it's very like it's you can see how tangentially it is connected to the song that we just yes. listened to. Like yes. this would fit very well into the Camish, like, camouflage but, in blue. Right between, I would say, I would say right between Camouflage and Blue and uh, the, On, uh, the half half alive, half alive, right there, right. Like this yeah. is just before you start getting that angry um, feeling but, because it's just kind of like, oh man, you look around and like, oh, the world sucks. <laughs> yeah, like the, the the opening like stands, I believe, like this is the opening, right? If some people think think they have none. Uh, they might as well stay down, running in circles like bulls in a ring. Till the sword finds its way down. Yup. Some people think, think they have none. They might as well stay down. Running in circles like bulls in a ring. Till the sword finds its way down. I was like that. That com completely ties in with the the bees in a hive, right? Yeah. The people just toiling endlessly. Yeah. Uh, you know, finding no fulfillment, right? Yeah. That's it, how. That's how I felt about the the fourth stanza, which I think is like the third verse, uh, because it feels about the same, right? It says. Uh, have you on the brink waiting to fall to become a human surplus? The movie's still shooting. You might still get a role. And man, it's j all just a circus. I highlighted yeah, every other line yeah. there. I was like, ooh, ooh. It is very much like full of that like. Ennui. Ennui. It's very ennui. I was thinking about a different word, but I don't think that word. Directionless. Yeah, it feels very much. Disillusionment almost. Yeah. It, it's a it's a, uh, a disillusioned, jaded person who feels like it's almost adult teenager. <laughs> like I've got it all figured out and it's all a joke. <laughs> it's like the, and the, then we die. The quarter life crisis. Yeah. 
It like it that's what I like and not to make it too simplistic, but it's that like feeling you get when you like are around teenagers that have hit that they've hit that age where they definitely know more than their parents, you know, where they know they know more than any adult around them. And it's just like, OK, and like that's the feeling of this. I, I just I feel like it's just kind of like the emptiness people find in like what they have like what they're doing like just just everything they do they just like feel empty and just like why why are we you know it's just like asking this question like what why are we doing this right you know and it's like why do people run around in circles you know like bulls in a ring mm-hmm. right um that, that opening there some people think they have none it's like because they're insecure right they, yeah. they have no security so uh they're they're constantly in need they're constantly trying to like cushion the fall yeah. with money, you know, like build a safety net, um, put food on the table, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right? You know, they just like, they're, they, nothing's enough, right? Yeah. They never, they never have enough to feel secure and comfortable. So they're just like, you know, scrambling. <laughs> Until it's all over. Right. And then even the line after that, right. looks outside of the self and okay, but what's the world we're living in. Right. It says, well, the keep the, the, while the creep beats the rap on appeal, the cop and the cop, who can't stop shows the kids how to steal. Like, it's just really like, yeah. And, and it's not just me feeling like endless circles. Like when I look up, like the world's rotten. Yeah. That, 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 that stands in particular is like taking it away from the, like the self and more mm-hmm. just like, you know, looking at the state of the world and just like, man, everything's evil and bad. <laughs> it's like doom scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. They didn't have is. doom scrolling on in the year 2000, but I assume like if you're on, You've got, or you know, you're watching TV and you're flipping through the news channels and you just see horrible thing after horrible thing. Yeah. You know, you're just like, ah. there's no justice in the world. Uh, there's no hope. And this is why I do not watch the news or intake anything like this. I think, so I, I like that this whole thing, right, is wrapped up in so much of this, like, okay. And, you know, that he's not just like, and everything is doom, right? Like, but even if he doesn't necessarily have an answer, he's like, I know what we're missing. <laughs> I recognize that the world is in deep darkness, but I also recognize that we are in need of something greater. Yeah. And what is that? Light. Whatever light is, they all need it. We all need it. Play the chorus. And the cop who can't stop shows the kids how to steal. And we all need some light now. We all need some light now. Yes, we all need some light now. Turn on your light and wash the darkness away. And I like that it's a call to not just like, oh, we need something, we need something, but it's saying like, it has to come from somewhere and that somewhere is us, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 a call to like, turn on your light to wash the darkness. Like if we all, if we all try a little bit harder, if we all look outside of ourselves and make a pot, make a change. <laughs> it, it, it's very much like a <laughs> if man If we in just the look at the man or woman in the mirror and start there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think all it, it's so interesting that the, the the man who wrote these words was not a Christian. 
Yeah. At the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's like a, a, a recognition that there's an element of like, I don't know, life, like even a, a, a part of his own spiritual character that is like kind of in need of something, yeah. something greater, something more like, I don't know, bountiful, like, you know, uh, something more ethereal, mm -hmm. right? That needs to be influencing him. Right? Yeah. And it's like, if we all had that light in us, you know, goodness, truth, beauty, whatever, right? Yeah. We all had it. The world would be a better and brighter place. Yeah. But he's still like articulating it in a very like abstract sense, mm -hmm. right? You know, but it's like, this is, this is a person who wants to help other people. He wants to bring people together. He wants people to like change for the better. He wants the mm -hmm. world to be a better place. Yeah. But he's still kind of like, you know, waxing poetic about what it is that he's looking for. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I And I think like this, this luckily, right? Like I don't feel bad moving on from the song as quickly because we spent literally 40 minutes on the last one. And but also I think, it's, it's not very long. And it's not very long. In comparison. At all. This is like not even a full hand span where the other one was like three scrolls on my screen. Um, I think that uh, it's... It's a decent song. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a very it is definitely a good come down from the 30 minute epic we just like the marathon. Yeah. Like it's a good break. It's it's a very simple song. It's mm -hmm. it's kind of just a lot of acoustic guitar, you know, a little bit of piano here and there. Uh, you know, it's it's a very light song. It's yeah. kind of a ballad. And it's I think it's also very pretty. It's very pretty. And uh, I think it has I, I I appreciate the sentiments uh, uh presented in the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I also just want to shout out um one of the other members of the band, uh, Royn Stolt, the guitar player, mm -hmm. uh, because he also sings sometimes. Yeah, he's in that. Yep, so he's going to, let, let's hear a little bit of him singing on his own. hear him uh yeah. back and forth in your your left and right channels there that was nice what did you say he thought the sun was in your eyes i think he, he was just uh like i think uh reiterating some points of the chorus no i don't remember the chorus in my thing saying the sun was in your eyes oh, i think he, he did throw that in there i think he did say that hmm. good job yeah he, he's got a very interesting voice yeah like when he when he when he when he sings like you're like oh who's that guy <laughs> and he he comes in so sometimes we actually not going to listen to the song that he wrote and sang most of but sorry but i like your voice yeah he's got a it good voice good little ad -libs. <laughs> anyway let's talk about uh my admittedly my least favorite song on the album infinity train mystery train So I I don't dislike this song, but I do consider it the weakest of the album. Mm, um, and I think I don't know. There's something about it. It just seems very like silly mm. and wacky, very quirky. Quirky. And it's it's just like to me like there's just something about it that just like doesn't gel quite with me as like the other songs do. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what was your what was your take on Mystery Train? Uh, it, <laughs> lyrically, right again, minus the song the musicality it gave me a 
killing me softly vibes. Why? Killing me softly with this song. Like that's just what it. The whole where it's just. Um, I met a girl who sang to me, but her songs had no rhyme or rhyme. I could I couldn't feel. I couldn't think. But my my, what a colorful blind as she sang in my mind, and that just made me think of like strumming my pain with his song, killing oh, me softly. So he must have read my diary. How does he know these things? So, uh, maybe a love song. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't say it was a love song. I, I don't know. But I would argue that, and I have, I have strong evidence to uh, assert this. Uh, this is the, this is the members of transatlantic trying to write a Beatles song, oh. a psychedelic Sergeant pepper magic mystery tour era Beatles song uh, with a lot of nonsense lyrics Lyrics that deal with like psychedelia and and just kind of like abstract ideas and okay. imagery, uh, and kind of a quirky, jumpy <laughs> type of sound. <laughs> okay. You know, like even before I really dug into the lyrics, like I did with this last listen, um, I th- I heard the music and I immediately thought Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band or Magic Mystery Tour uh, era Beatles, right? where they were just like messing around with studio techniques and trying to be off the wall and weird, like weird John Lennon, Yoko Ono stuff. <laughs> That's what this song reminded me of. Mm-hmm. And I feel validated having read the lyrics and going, <laughs> yes, this is Transatlantic's version of Lucy in the sky with diamonds or I am the walrus. Those are weird titles. Those are weird titles. They were also smoking a lot of pot and taking know. LSD. I don't so. think I've, I mean, I know I've heard a Beatles song all the way through, but it's probably like only two. But I'm just saying, like, I couldn't feel, I couldn't think, but my, my, what a colorful blind. Like, this is just so psychedelic. Uh, yeah. Um, There's more. Uh, Welcome to the mystery. Dreams that, dreams float in a pool in my head. There's your mother when she was young. There's Uncle Dick looking sick and half dead. The lights are on and she is home, stretched out on a Kodachrome bed. They're singing in my head, right? Yeah. A lot of just nonsense lyrics dealing with like bright colors and psychedelic yeah. imagery. That reminds me of yellow matter custard dripping from a dead dog's eye. Ew. Uh, cellophane flowers and marshmallow clouds. Mm. Uh, are these or lyrics? These are all Beatles lyrics. Mm. Um, picture yourself on a boat in a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. 
I mean, that makes sense, though. That that lyric makes sense. The but I'm just saying, like, yeah, stretched out in a Kodachrome bed sounds like cellophane flowers and marshmallow clouds. I, okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I can dig it. Marmalade skies. Kodachrome, by the way, is was used uh, in Kodak film negatives or something. Oh, I thought it was literally just a bed. No. Kodachrome means, like, I, I, you know, some kind of technology or, or an element of taking photographs back in the day like oh, okay kodak kodak chrome kodak film well what do you think musically though of it it's Fun. interesting it's like interesting. it's it's super beatles super psychedelic and like i appreciate it for what they were trying to do but to me it's just like didn't gel you know i was mm-hmm. just like it's fine um i have one moment in the song that reminded me of sticks a lot which i i like sticks like come sail away remember where mm-hmm. aliens come down and abduct a sailor yes uh it kind of reminds me of that The, the synthesizer is just the simple. This <laughs> just sounds like Come Sail Away by Sticks to me. Hmm. So like lyrically, I, I feel like this song doesn't say anything other than, hey, we're trying to write a trippy uh, Beatles song. You know, it's like this. These are the images you see when you're high on LSD. <laughs> I Yeah, I think the only thing that like this stuck out or that I like really noted in this besides the like killing me softly lyric is I guess the chorus let the deal no that part yeah Yeah. let the deal go down let the wild wind blow and then let the dreaming go let the steel rain fall steel rain marmalade skies (laughs) I uh and the only reason I like this stood out to me was just because in two of their in there are two of the other songs that we or was it just the one uh they like they talk about dreaming a lot like not just like dreams but specifically letting them go or letting them die or like <laughs> like so uh letting the dream go let uh let the dream go let uh the steel rain fall and in um all about all of the above we had a waiting for your dreams to arrive. Uh, you're whole and complete, but you're half alive. Waiting for your dreams to arrive. You're whole and complete, but half alive. And then it's like, and let your dreaming go. Let the steel rain fall. I, I thought it was like, you know, kind of like let the good times roll. Like let the dreams roll. Like let them, you know, like let let the the dream imagery that, you know, that, that exists when you're sleeping. Like let them, let them out. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's let's talk about them. Yeah. Because there's a lot of dream imagery here. Yeah. And so I think that was, I, it was just like one of those things. I was like, we talk about it a lot. What, what kind of dreams are we thinking? You know, well, so, these are just like, like, you know, nonsense dreams. Nonsense dreams. The best kind of dreams. But yeah, that was it. There's literally all. Yeah. The, 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 I think, I think this song is interesting mm-hmm. in that they're trying to write a Beatles type song. But other than that, it's like not. Yeah. Like there's nothing to it. Yeah. Um, and I, my, my, my final piece of evidence that I'll pass along Go on ahead. why I'm like 100% sure this is them trying to be the Beatles, you know, live out that dream for whatever, mm-hmm. uh, is the, the last, like, is the very end of the song. You hear this.
Is it playing something backwards? Yes, it is. And uh, would you like to hear? Because I, I took that, I reversed it, and I got what he said. Would you like to hear it? Sure. I've got blisters on my fingers. I've got blisters on my fingers. That is a direct reference to Helter Skelter by the Beatles off the White <laughs> Album. So, yeah, Ringo, Ringo, they play Helter Skelter, and at the very end, you hear Ringo go, I've got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> so, that was Mike Portnoy being a joke. This is definitely just a Beatles tribute. <laughs> so, there you go. Let them have their Helter Skelter. Oh, man. That was a lot. That was a lot. So thanks for sticking with us to the uh, to the end of that discussion there, kids. Uh, but we're not done yet. No. Because we need to talk about whether or not we recommend Simpty, the album. Yes. You recommend Simpty? You know what? Yeah. You can put that on. Go ahead, kids. You can go ahead and put I that think, on. I think this, this is one of those like, yeah, this is going to test you a little bit because there are three songs over 15 minutes long. <laughs> but they're so interesting. Like, in, in like... I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're just like, they're musical journeys, but they're, they're like spiritual journeys as well. You know, that being said, you'll never find this album anywhere except on YouTube. Really compressed and horrible. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah. And the uploads aren't very good, uh, but you can't, you can't buy the album on, uh, you know, probably iTunes and Amazon and, and such things. Yeah. It's not on Google play, right? No, it's not. A, no, it's not on YouTube music, which is what Google clip Google play turned oh, into. <laughs> yeah. But well. yeah, nope. <laughs> can't get it there. Anyway, find a, Find a version to listen to if you're interested. I I, th I recommend it too. Yeah. I think it's it's not like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's like one of my favorite albums of all time, but it's definitely like interesting. Yeah. I I, I would have to agree with that. And and as we've dug deep, we, uh, we found some pretty interesting wisdom as well. <laughs> Sorry for such deep digging, kids. But uh, why don't we talk about how the album was received? Okay. Those sales details are scarce. Simpty reportedly met or even exceeded expectations from the label. It even reached the 66th spot on the German Top 100 charts. So this album charted in Germany. Go Deutschland. Simpty was warmly received by critics, particularly within the prog rock scene. Mm. Critics praised the musicianship, production, and creativity. Huh? All Music, for example, called the album, quote, some of the best progressive rock music ever written. Oh. Um, progressive rock website DPRP said, quote, with almost 80 minutes of music by four great musicians, there's much to enjoy for us prog fans, especially the three longer tracks show great skills and talents. These tracks also feature many hidden secrets, which keeps them interesting for a long time. Okay. So do you want to hear some of those secrets? <laughs> no. Prog Vision said, quote, the music is fully progressive and symphonic, full blown symphonic rock, as English speakers would say in the luminous spectrum of the genre, and it is excellently interpreted and produced with brilliant arrangements and good choirs. A lot yeah. of flowery language there. However, they did admit that, quote, it is more a reconnection with the orthodox sound of the genre than it advanced towards the future. And okay. That, and that's kind of the, the common criticism I saw was that uh, they kind of... It was too much of a tribute and not enough of a stand. They wore their influences on their sleeve a little too much for some people. Mm. Like, to me, it didn't bother me. I thought it was interesting. Music critic George Graham, meanwhile, offered this perspective. Quote, I guess that one thinks of Simpty, the new album by 
Art rock supergroup Transatlantic probably depends on one's musical sensibility and age. Art rock is an acquired taste, especially in recent years, where not many people outside of public radio listeners get to hear it. Still, the musicianship and the arrangements are so good that the art rock fan can't help but be impressed. (laughs) Art rock. Art rock. And what of the legacy of Transatlantic and Sympty? Tell me. To promote Sympty, Transatlantic toured the United States throughout the summer of 2000. This tour spawned a double live album and a video slash DVD, both titled Transatlantic Live in America. Oh. We're getting the DVDs. Wow. We're in the era of DVD. They were both. We're in the era where we're still using both prevalently. Yeah, you're right. The band recorded their follow-up album, Bridge Across Forever, in 2001. This one featured only four songs, averaging about 19 minutes each. (sighs) I'm glad that's not your album for 2001. (laughs) They toured Europe later that year, bringing along Daniel Gildenlow of the progressive rock band Pain of Salvation, who has acted as an unofficial member on every tour since. Rounding out Simpty's legacy, in 2003, Neil Morse released the Transatlantic Demo CD, which featured some early versions of songs included on the band's debut. That same year saw the release of Simpty, the Roin Stolt Mixes, which, as the title suggests, features Roin Stolt's mixes of the debut. Cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like two demo versions of Simpty. Simpty. And where did Transatlantic go from here? Well, in 2002... Neil Morse became a born-again Christian and thus decided to leave mainstream music behind in favor of more faith-focused music. Oh! We we knew you were looking for something. We knew. We could see it. (laughs) We could hear it. The man needed Jesus. He found Jesus. Good job. Uh, Yep. He therefore stepped down from both Transatlantic and Spock's beard. Mm. Uh, And and he, he has a series of Christian prog rock albums okay he's got a bunch of them uh feeling that they could not carry on the project without morris portnoy and the rest of the band decided to disband transatlantic altogether rather than seek out a replacement because like i guess they felt like he was like you know part of the heart and soul of the band Mm. Uh, however the musical partnership between neil morse and mike portnoy did not end there as portnoy has played on several of morse's solo albums over the next two decades so like portnoy (laughs) yes in fact, in a recent interview, Portnoy admitted to having collaborated with Morse on at least 22 studio albums. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're, they're musical partners, these guys. Yeah. Transatlantic, however, lay dormant for nearly seven years. Oh. Until <gasps> in 2009, the band announced that they had reunited and that they were working on a brand new album. They- that album, The Whirlwind, released later that year, featuring only a 77-minute title track. <laughs> the band also toured in the spring of 2010. Cool. Uh, the Transatlantic has since released two more studio albums, 2014's Kaleidoscope and 2021's The Absolute Universe. And the band has continued to find time to tour amongst the members' many, many projects. And that's Transatlantic. Woohoo! We did it. That was a long old segment. We did. It's 6.15, kids. For any of you keeping track of when I said we started, you so- said this would be under two hours. <laughs> Well, thanks for putting up with that. We appreciate it, but we got, we'll have some fun in the next segment. We had no fun in this segment. Is that what you're trying to say? We're going to have even more fun <laughs> with Jess's album of 2000. Uh, we're going to close out uh, with the, the one song we didn't talk about okay. in depth from Simpty, which is called My New World. So we're going to close out with that. And we'll be back after the break with Jess's album of 2000. I promise I'll be less sad. My new world was spinning me around. 
Patience, my pet. Patience. The show will be right back. Hi, this is Pete Trubavis from Transatlantic, and I'd just like to tell you all that we're playing at the Tetra Metropolitan at 9 o'clock on February the 11th. So uh, hopefully we will see you there. Hi, this is Mike Portnoy, and I cannot wait to come back to Mexico to see the great Mexican fans. Looking forward to it. Adios, amigos. You're 2000, all right. <laughs> oh, man. That, oh, man. That song needs no introduction. I think it's an anthem for the, the millennium. Why didn't we use that as our send-off? Uh, like the end of the episode. No, we got a better one. Mm. It's one that's more close to our hearts. No. <laughs> no. Incorrect, sir. Uh, potential Inside Joke Award winner. We're going to close <laughs> the song out or close the show out with. No. Uh, but they, of course, th- of course, that's the song Bye Bye Bye. From what album? Released March 21st, 2000, the same day as Sympty, the third Mm. and biggest release from this uber-successful pop boy band that is No Strings Attached by NSYNC. I don't think we've ever had a twinning episode before. Nope. Twins! Born the same day, Sympty and No Strings Attached. Wow! No Sympty's Attached. Ew. Ew! (laughs) I want it on a shirt. (laughs) Oh, yep. So Jess's album, once again, the more popular of yeah. the albums we talk about. By far. Yeah. Uh, it was even your it was even one of your favorite albums. You got bullied because of these this don't, genre. Don't, don't, don't jump ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, the kids know. Tell tell us your history with with NSYNC and No Strings Attached. Um, Why is this your album? Okay, because it was just pervasive. There's no way that this wasn't. I'm pretty sure we actually had the Yeah, we totally had this concert on DVD. DVD, VHS. Yeah, we definitely had the whole concert, and I just want you to know this was, this is as much my album because me and my sisters are young and we listen to it as it is my mo- my mom dug that concert. We would watch it, be like, oh, look at them flying. It's it's, ah! it's very impressive. It's very like it makes me understand why people go to concerts. So it's like when they're like, because I like listening to music, but I'm not a concert person. And people are like, but. They're performers. You want to see the whole thing. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. But, you know. This was an experience. (laughs) This is just a concert. This is not just live music. This is like a a full-on spectacle. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Like, going back, it's like, yeah, that would have been a great show to go see. Oh, no. Way too many screaming girls. (laughs) You would have gone deaf with all that screaming. Ooh. I mean, screaming boys, too. Let's be honest. Some people were into Lance. I know a lot of people were into all of them. Actually, a lot of people were into Lance gender not exclusive there you go uh so what can you recall the first time you heard in sync no they just they always were they always were just some place sometime on my block like somebody was playing it i don't know you you obviously have do you know well, the first you, time you said you uh you were always a bigger backstreet boys fan then yes than in sync but 
this was a year where an NSYNC album came out the same year as the Backstreet Boys album. And uh, NSYNC, NSYNC shot them out the water. Yeah, because this is this is the biggest album. Like, this is the biggest boy band album in America. This probably is the biggest release of a boy band ever. Yeah. In America. In America, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we you've been hinting at it, but yes, this was also a very important album for me. In fact, No Strings Attached by NSYNC was the first CD I ever owned. Aww. Yeah, yeah. So I have talked about it a little bit on these music shows, but uh, when I was young, grade school, around this time, year 2000, I was big into Radio Disney. <laughs> uh, they were playing all these, you know, radio-friendly, kid-friendly pop hits, mm-hmm. and NSYNC was my favorite. Okay, I mean... I liked most of their songs, you know, and, and uh, I liked Bye Bye Bye, It's Gotta Be May. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, I loved them all. So when my parents bought me a CD player, like a little boombox, uh, for Christmas 2000, uh, I got it came with two CDs. They bought me two CDs along with my CD player. New Strings Attached and the soundtrack for Rugrats in Paris. Um weird well yeah, I, I don't know why they chose that one but that was one of the only cds that had uh baja men's who let the dogs out oh. on it and i think that's why they bought it because like, it had because one it was rugrats and i liked rugrats and two mm-hmm. it had the baja men on it so such a weird combo so yeah baja men not a runner-up but that song was huge <laughs> and a favorite yeah cute who let him out we don't know um and then of course so third grade i remember it like this, this so 2000, I was in third grade. I, was, I hate when you do this. No, yeah. So I had started third grade in the year 2000. By 2001, late third grade, I got bullied out of listening to this pop boy band stuff. I was called uh, I was called unsavory names, and it made me very, uh, you know, uh, reserved. And, you know, kind of yeah, like, closed off. Yeah. So I was like, yourself. you know what? So I at that point in time, I said, fine. I don't like any music. That's better. That was the better move. What <laughs> names? I'd like, like bad names? Yeah. I thought it would just be something like, uh, more like Rodney Timberlake oh, because n- you want to no, marry no, him. No, nothing like that. Like, no, they would just call me cruel names. Uh, that well, that's g- fair. I'm not going to repeat on this podcast. No, you shouldn't. No. I mean, some of the things that I was called. But yeah, yeah. So for like the next three years, all of uh, elementary school, I told everybody I didn't like music, you know? Mm. And, and, and honestly, I really didn't seek out music after that. It was just a, yeah. nope, don't like music. Don't care. So, which is such a weird thing to me because, like, we will be watching shows and I won't be paying attention to anything, but, like, the camera, you're like, ooh, listen to that music. Oh, do you hear that trump, I, that farting trumpet? Do you hear that, those strings? Like, it's so weird I to I was hear. hiding from myself. Oh. <laughs> Were you cleaning out your closet? I mean, I, just like that song, I was aware of music. It's like I knew, like, yeah, I knew what was popular. I knew Eminem and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was just like, nope, don't care, don't like it. Music is stupid. Yeah, and then, you know, slowly, you know, trance and classic rock radio brought me back. Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> it brought me back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, and so video yeah, games. InSync's No Strings Attached is as much my album as it is yours, honestly. Okay. Oh, so I should have let you pick songs? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just picked her songs and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Just okay. Not in agreement. Yeah, it's, your, it's your album today. <laughs> Let's get into some history because there's a lot. Okay. As with Backstreet Boys, there's a lot going on. Ugh, all right, I'm going to lay back with my drink because yeah, we go yeah. through this. We got to go through, you know, five burgeoning careers here. The, I don't like the word burgeoning. The NSYNC boys, they they had they had stuff going on. 
As we talked about in our 1996 music episode, American businessman Lou Pearlman struck gold when he formed and funded the pop boy band Backstreet Boys. Yay. Yeah, that was your album. Well, yay for Backstreet Boys, but... Lou Pearlman, <laughs> uh, we, we in fact, like, we didn't do this because of the show, but we did watch on YouTube, because it was free, uh, the documentary The Boy Band Con, which is kind of all about Lou Pearlman and his shady dealings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, no uh, bueno kids. He has many, uh, <laughs> let's just say, throughout this entire period, he was also running a, 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 a Ponzi scheme and conning, you know, old people out of money you know making fake investments and that's what fueled partially this boy band uh fascination that he had yeah so anyway yeah if you want to learn more about lou perlman just go and watch the the documentary on youtube called uh the boy band con but he was a successful businessman in the sphere of music because he was it's like he wanted to basically create the New Kids on the Block for a New Generation. Mm-hmm. And he did that with Backstreet Boys. And it was so successful that he said, cool, I'll just make a bunch more. Yeah, he and literally he, created the genre. Yeah, he just like planted like little like pop bands all over the place. Like mm-hmm. all female bands, all boy bands, you know, yeah. uh, little Aaron Carter. Yeah. And as I've been hinting at, one boy band wasn't enough. No. So Perlman, while working to launch the Backstreet Boys career, was also actively looking for even more young talent. I mean... There was so much talent in the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. They were so talented. Why do you need more? He had like runners up for the Backstreet Boys and he just used the runners up to make a new one. Sort of. It's <laughs> kind of stink. More like instinct. Yeah. Too bad to be in the Backstreet Boys. Well, that was, bad. I mean, we'll get into it, but that's, that was like the perception of instinct is that they were like the little brothers to Backstreet Boys. You know, oh. they were lesser than. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. I, I never got that vibe growing up. I, I did a little bit. You know? I mean, I preferred I th- the Backstreet Boys, but I never got that vibe. I but think I mean, in the music industry, for sure. I okay, think, yeah. okay, for sure. I was not in the music industry. I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> in 1995, Perlman, through one-time Backstreet Boy prospect Charlie Edwards, met up-and-coming singer Chris Kirkpatrick. Chris Kirkpatrick was the first in sync. Like, he was the one to start, you know, which is kind of interesting. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Like we, we know who the stars are now, but yeah, Chris mm. Kirkpatrick was kind of like the genesis of NSYNC. He's also the oldest. Ah. I came to learn. Yeah. Hello, Kevin. He he, <laughs> he looks like a he he like he's looked like a young person his whole life, mm. but he he was the oldest NSYNC member. All right. Kirkpatrick, like all of these boy band kids, had been active in show business from an early age. Raised by a vocal coach mother, he enrolled in gifted classes for music, received classical training in singing and learned to play several instruments like guitar, keyboard, and trombone. Excellent. As a teen, Kirkpatrick starred in several school productions, including Oliver Twist and South Pacific. I want to know who, who he played in those. I think he might have played Oliver. Oh. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> he also became president of his school's choir and made the prestigious All-Ohio State Fair Youth Choir, which performed at the Ohio State Fair in Columbus, Ohio, and opened for... New Kids on the Block. Oh. Yeah. In 1990, Kirkpatrick moved to Orlando, Florida, oh. where all these boy bands came from. Yeah. In addition to receiving a degree from Orlando's Valencia College, where he was involved in choir, he also formed various acapella groups and arranged music to practice and perform together at local coffee shops. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He also worked as a local DJ and became involved as a caroler for the American Caroling Company. Mm, does it even snow in... <laughs> I feel like 
caroling in shorts and sweat. I feel like the, the the American caroling company is for caroling what like the Barnum and Bailey circus is for circus or like the clown college, you know? It's like it's just like this prestigious thing for singers to put on your resume. Oh. Yeah, he okay. was a, he was an American he was an American caroling company boy. <laughs> Patrick's caroling gig led him to a job at Universal Studios where he performed as a member of a doo-wop group called the Hollywood High Tones. Hold on. Wasn't Kevin at University? No, he was Aladdin. He was at Disney. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Wow. <laughs> really just all up against things. I'm just saying, if you're in Orlando, Florida, and you need a performing gig, it's one, one of, of the theme parks. Yeah, yeah, right? Anyway, that's where Lou Pearlman entered the picture. Impressed by Kirkpatrick, Pearlman offered to finance an entirely new vocal group if Kirkpatrick could find other young, talented singers to join him. So Chris had to do the legwork? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Perlman had another boy band to manage. All right. I'm... Kirkpatrick spent the next year recruiting and auditioning singers, including Tennessee-based singer Justin Timberlake. Who's that? <laughs> Did he make... I, I don't recognize that name. Did they, like, cut him? It's gonna be him. <laughs> The son of a Baptist choir director, Timberlake, was a singer from a young age. Okay, hold on. Real quick. Uh, How you said that, my brain went, he was the son of a preacher man, (laughs) which he was. I hope he sang that song. The son of a, wait, I just read that. Preacher man. (laughs) At age 11, he starred on the TV show Star Search as Justin Randall. He landed a spot on the Mickey Mouse Club revival series a year later, where he performed alongside other up-and-coming singers like Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Ryan Gosling, and Carrie Russell. Through the Mickey Mouse Club, Timberlake forged a friendship with castmate J.C. Chazé. Uh, of 98 Degrees fame. No, no, he was... I know. He's, in, he's <laughs> getting all wrong. <laughs> I'm not the one who does research. Born and raised in Maryland, Chazé decided to pursue show business at age 13 after winning a national dance competition as the result of a bet. I guess the story goes he was shy and reserved as a child, and his friend dared him to enter a dance competition, and he won. And that's what launched his career. He's like, well, I guess I could do that. I don't have to say anything. Wow. Yeah. Can we find that online? No, probably not. Not when he was. No, Mm, you're good. He auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club at age 15, got the gig, and stayed with the show until its cancellation in 1994. After the show came to an end, Timberlake returned to Tennessee while Chazé moved to Los Angeles to pursue a music career. Oh, okay. After after encountering setbacks, however, Chazé decided to return to Maryland, and on his drive back, he stopped by Timberlake's house in Tennessee. That became an extended stop as Chazé and Timberlake both relocated to Nashville in order to write demo tracks together with another industry friend. Oh, who is that industry fan? I just, Don't know. Yeah, just I think it was just like a record producer. <laughs> How old like. are they at this point? They had to be over eighteen. They were in their teens. <laughs> well, just travel. Were their parents with them? I, oh, maybe, maybe they were just eighteen or something. Okay, like like, I was like mm-hmm. late teens, maybe. You were not. Uh. Uh-uh. Just out of high school. Just traveling everywhere. Yeah, so it's just like on a, on a, on a happenstance, he's like, oh man, I'm gonna go see my good friend Justin. <laughs> L.A. didn't work out. I'm gonna go visit him in, in Tennessee on my way back home. And they just like started writing music together. And we're like, let's just let's just do this. Let's just do this. Let's just be a duo. Let's go to Nashville because it's a music hub. This this that's... feels like I want to see this movie. You know, I just oh. want to see like this. This seems like the an act in a movie or something like that. You know, that's it's just fair. like two you know hungry talents like just deciding to go to Nashville to write music together. You know, I'm sure there's a movie. About, there's a show called Nashville. Maybe that's what the show's about. <laughs> And that brings us back to Chris Kirkpatrick. 
Through a talent agent, Kirkpatrick got hooked up with Timberlake, who agreed to join the new vocal group. In turn, Timberlake recommended Chazé, and NSYNC was officially born. Aren't we missing one? We're missing a few more, but <laughs> the trio here was the start of NSYNC. Uh, this is when we're like, hey, we're a group now. We're a group. Chris, Justin, JC. Uh, okay. The newly formed trio then moved back to Orlando, Florida to seek out additional singers. The next recruit was Joey Fatone. Joey! Who, who had befriended Chris Kirkpatrick when they both performed at Universal Studios. Cool. Son of a doo-wop singer, Fatone moved from New York to Orlando at age 13. And after high school, he began working as a performer at Universal Studios, where he played Wolfie in Beetlejuice's Rock and Roll Graveyard Review. What? Can we find it? I We'll have to see. <laughs> you know, if I find these young performances, I will share them on Twitter. Yeah. After several auditions, the band rounded out the lineup with bass singer Jason Galasso, and they settled on the name NSYNC as both an acronym of the last letter of each member's first names. You got Justin, yeah. Chris with an S, Joey with a Y, mm -hmm. Jason with the N, and JC. Yeah. NSYNC. And also a reference to a comment made by Timberlake's mother about how NSYNC the group singer's voices were. Boo. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There's, there's your, there's your, your lineup for in sync. Objection. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? I mean, I'm not an in sync lady, but I know one of the names that should be there is not there. <laughs> anyway, Galasso dropped out just before the band signed with Lou Pearlman's Transcontinental record label, as he was not fond of the group's teen idol direction. Forcing oh. NSYNC into another round of auditions. Aww. So ja I mean. Jason, the one who got away. <laughs> I mean, Jason, I don't know if you went on to have a career, but yeah, you know. He did not have a Wikipedia article. Okay. Well, I, I mean, you no, know, you weren't skyrocketed like the group was, but you also got to avoid a lot of the Rupertman respect. But you also avoided a lot of crap. <laughs> yes. Please only use one of those. And through Timberlake's vocal coach, the group found Mississippi-based singer Lance Bass. That's the name. That's the guy. That's the that's the guy. His last name, his name ends with a... With an E. So they just didn't change so the name. They, <laughs> I, I saw that they jokingly referred to him as Lanston. <laughs> to make it make sense. Yeah, this is Lanston Bass. That's hilarious. So yeah, it still fits. Lanston is the N in there. The second N. Got it. Bass had been a singer in his local Baptist church choir, and he had been a member of several musical groups, such as the statewide music group Mississippi Showstoppers, the statewide vocal group Seven Card Stud, and the national award-winning competitive show choir group Attaché Show Choir. All of those group names are horrible. <laughs> you don't like Seven Card All Stud? All of them, very bad. Not a single winner. After receiving a call from Timberlake, Bass flew to Orlando to audition and was immediately accepted by the group. Aww. And that's the NSYNC we all know and love. Brother. Under Pearlman's leadership, a fully realized NSYNC began rehearsing and recording demos. Their first performance took place October 22nd, 1995 at Walt Disney World's Pleasure Island. That's where Kevin works. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't working there anymore. <laughs> he, was, he was in Europe recording their album. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Uh, why is that the song that we remember from that album the most? In early 1996, German music group BGM offered to sign the band on one condition. They dropped Bass, whose dancing they felt, quote, wasn't at the same level as the others. 
Okay, well, at least that was the reason. I remember a second, I was like, why are we singling out Lance? Uh, why are we doing that this? That was the official reason. I don't want to get into maybe it, uh, it had to do no. some discrimination, but... Mm, not okay. Not okay. Anyway... But it, if he was a subpoor dancer, I could understand. <laughs> anyway, NSYNC's manager, Johnny Wright, however, was able to convince them that Bass's dancing would improve, so the band was signed to BGM's Areola label and sent to Sweden to record their first album. NSYNC's debut released exclusively in Germany in May 1997. So just like the Backstreet Boys, they only had a European release. Weird. Yep, yep. And off the backs of hit singles like I Want You Back and Tearing Up My Heart, the band became an overnight success in Europe. So was their second album called NSYNC's Back and had those on it too? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> NSYNC then caught the attention of RCA Records who signed them in 1998. Their debut then released in the US, UK, and internationally in March 1998. So okay. it's the same album, just... Released a little later. All right, cool. Makes more sense. Yes. Though the album sales were sluggish at first, a chance performance on the Disney Channel in July 1998 helped them become a hit. I guess the story goes, the Disney Channel was going to run a concert, like a live concert, like program mm -hmm. for the Backstreet Boys but that they were day. Tired. But they, yeah, something came up. They couldn't commit to it, so yeah. they brought in In Sync, who, and that that like catapulted them into the stratosphere. It's yeah. like that performance probably got. All the little kids like in on the NSYNC train, yep. including me. That's probably where I saw them first, to be honest. Like, Makes sense. I, I can't remember that, but that had something to do with it. Yeah. And that's probably what got them on the Disney uh, radio or that's probably what got them on Radio Disney mm -hmm. and all that other junk. Yeah. Because they used to run music videos for NSYNC on the Disney Channel, like in the middle of commercials. Yeah. Or as commercials because Disney Channel didn't have commercials. So nope. was, they're like, they oh, just, let's fill up time with some of these boys. Yeah. That's where I saw a lot of these music videos. NSYNC quickly followed up their debut with a Christmas album and further stoked their success with appearances in TV and film. I feel like they were an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but that might have been the Backstreet Boys. I think it was, I think it was NSYNC. Mm, they they appeared on uh, Touched by an Angel. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, TV was so weird. I wrote a, I wrote a whole article about that on oh, lasertimepodcast.com. Yeah. So if you, I, I will share that on Twitter. Okay. Uh, NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys versus pop culture. <laughs> but despite all that success, the members of NSYNC weren't seeing the financial returns they felt they were owed. And this is covered in the boy band con. Ugh. But I guess the the deal that they signed with Lou Perlman initially was a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, their lawyers looked at this and were like, you guys aren't getting like what you were promised. Yeah. Like, Perlman's pocketing more than half the profits. Mm -hmm. And you guys are getting just a fraction of the half. Yeah. That he's not getting. Yeah. It like, I think they were talking, I think there was parts like, yeah, all these sweet dinners you're going to and the hotel rooms and stuff. Uh, that's you're, coming out of your money. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's not paying for that. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, <laughs> man. Yep. Not good. Perlman's no. a bad person. Yeah. So in 1999, NSYNC sued Lou Pearlman and Transcontinental Record for defrauding the group of more than 50% of their earnings rather than receiving only one-sixth of the profits as agreed upon. Mm. Yeah, so Lou Pearlman was supposed to be getting... The sixth member. Yeah, he yeah, was the equal. sixth member of NSYNC, and he was supposed to be getting a sixth of the profits, but he was yeah. taking in more than half. Eek. The group also threatened to leave and sign with Jive Records, which prompted Pearlman and RCA to countersue NSYNC for $150 million in an attempt to stop NSYNC's move to Jive to prevent the band from performing or recording under the name NSYNC and to force NSYNC to return masters recorded that year in preparation for an upcoming album. Oof. Yeah, it was a messy thing. Messy is definitely the word. 
In December 1999, NSYNC and Perlman reached an undisclosed settlement out of court, freeing the group as NSYNC to release future albums on Jive Records, which is pretty cool. It's like yeah. they even got to keep the name. Their next album was titled No Strings Attached to reference their newfound freedom. I mean... that That's why this album is kind of so important because yeah. No Strings Attached is them earning their freedom from Lou Perlman's grasp. Yeah. I mean, celebrate, right? That's, <laughs> I mean, people have divorce parties, so that's that's all. This is a divorce album. <laughs> but Perlman wasn't done yet. Oh, no. After Jive Records announced the album in September 1999, with hopes of a November release, Perlman and RCA filed another $150 million breach of contract suit and an injunction to stop the release. So just on, another lawsuit. On what grounds? They had already settled. I think this was before the settlement. So they like, but they had gone with Jive anyway. So mm. anyway, the judge rejected the injunction, but the ongoing suit caused the album to be delayed several times. Mm. That's why it came out in March of 2000. Anyway, NSYNC were recording new songs for this album during the entire legal battle, often without any support from either record label. That makes sense. Luckily, the lack of corporate oversight allowed the group more freedom over their choice of songs and producers, yeah. as well as the opportunity to more freely contribute to the songs themselves. Yeah. So, like, even some of the songs we're going to talk about today were basically the the brainchild of the members of NSYNC. Hmm. I have feelings about some of the lyrics in this so these songs, so judgment is coming down hard on these. <laughs> How old are they at the point? They're, they're probably late teens, early 20s. These boys. <laughs> No Strings Attached ended up with contributions from Kristen Lundgren, Jake Schultz, Rami, Kevin Shakespeare Briggs, Richard Marks, Vate Wren, Guy Roach, Teddy Riley, and Babyface. Babyface. Among others. Among others. No Strings Attached finally released March 21st, 2000. To promote the album, NSYNC made appearances on MTV's TRL, Good Morning America, Saturday Night Live, and The Oscars. They appeared on several advertisements for Verizon Wireless and Chili's, and they appeared live at the Virgin Megastore in Times Square, where over 8,000 fans gathered. I mean, that's a lot of That nuts. was a busy day. I guess they like went to TRL, uh -huh. then they just walked across the street to the Virgin Megastore and like <laughs> shut down Times Square. Yep. Sounds right. Sounds right. You yep. can't be doing that mess. And that is No Strings Attached. Nice. So a lot there, but I think we needed all of that to understand the, the 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 environment that this album was created in. This is their creative control album, you know, free they're, from corporate oversight. I mean, that sounds really cool, but they're also children, <laughs> so it's a little worrisome, just a little bit. Well, let's see how many how much boys these boys are. How how much boys these boys are? Yeah. They are very boys. Want to jump in? Yeah. All right. The first song I'm going to talk about it's a it's a big one. It's probably the most popular song we're going to talk about today. It's going to be May. Oh, dear. Oh, man. Before uh, we talk about the, the lyrics and such things, I need to mention that this song was written by Andreas Carlson, best known for the Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. 
and the duo of Max Martin and Rami Yacoub, best known for Britney Spears's Baby One More Time. Baby One More Time. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, late 90s, like, pop, like, superstars. You know? Yeah. I feel like they, they uh, the, these creatives here probably helped give rise to that sound. So props to them. And it was reportedly inspired by 80s pop hits Steppin' Out by Joe Jackson and Him by Rupert Holmes. I don't know what any of those I are. I know Steppin' Out. It's not this. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever you, it's got to be me is, it's not that, but apparently that's what inspired It's inspired. It. Yeah, Steppin' Out's a great song, but it does not remind me of this. Maybe, maybe musically or something like that, you know? On some level of music, I don't understand. <laughs> but maybe it's got the same sympathy. It's a good it's a good song in its own right, but it does not remind me of It's Gonna Be May. Yeah. No. No. This is a good song. Yeah. Uh just like the vibe I get. Like uh, I hear it and I just wanna like move. Yeah, yeah. Musically and vocally, it's definitely a bop. Lyrically, we'll touch that later. But yeah, there's there's no way that you're not gonna you might be hurt, right? You're I, not gonna. You have to, right? I guess, like, even even the way they sang was like, every it was like meticulous in terms of like pronunciation. Even. Yeah, like the the songwriters, the lyricists, and the band themselves were all very particular about how they were meant to sing these words. Yeah, like so, Justin and JC sing lead on pretty much all the songs we're gonna talk about today. It's it's Justin and JC with the other. In sync members like backing him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justin's the lead, right? He's not the lead. But Chris on the, was first. But on these songs, he's the lead. <laughs> but yeah, Justin, like they they told him, hey, you need to sing. Not it's gonna be me. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be May. I think this is really interesting, right? Okay, so you mean in all the songs or specifically this song? This like one? It, that, a lot of Hullabaloo was made about this song in particular. Okay, so I'm gonna give it to them a little bit because uh justin grew up in tennessee i don't know what part of tennessee most of these people grew up like central to southern midwest or florida yeah yeah midwest or florida is florida what is is florida doesn't have a east okay oh southeast oh that's weird yeah i wouldn't call it the east coast i was like yeah we've got East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, North, and yeah, and then Florida. Florida doesn't have its own. It's its own zone. <laughs> anyway, I'll give that to them a little bit. But like where you're saying some of this meticulous stuff, I made a note that a lot of this, especially in the first verse, I was like, they're doing a lot of like A-V-E, like pronunciation, like uh, uh, Af- African-American vernacular English, uh, where you're saying words that people are like, you can't talk English good? Like, what is this? Like, no, it's literally, it's it's a dialect. Sure. Right? And so, like, even looking at the first, uh, I, I wrote it down in standard English after. But, like, you're reading it. You know what he's saying, right? Like, you might have been hurt, babe. You might have been hurt in the past. You might have been hurt, darling. You know, but it's, you might have been hurt. Which, which is a and then like again in the southern um vernacular but also in a lot of black vernacular you do you slur you say everything really like uh softer you don't say babe you say babe babe ain't no ain't no lie like you know so these things where you're very specifically saying stuff a lot of this that like, i was picking up i was like 
a lot of honestly a lot of Michael Jackson influence as well. Like yeah. we know my, Justin Timberlake is a, a student of Michael Jackson, <laughs> a disciple, if you will. Y- yeah, and so <laughs> I, I think a lot like this song it definitely like there's a lot of like the the vocal hiccups and the like uh, even when we came in a little bit of beatboxing, you know, mm-hmm. you know something like that. Yeah. I think it's like an interesting conversation that I am in no way prepared to or educated enough enough to have a conversation about. But there's a lot, definitely a lot of talk uh, recently. It's not recent, but that I'm seeing a lot more recently about uh, just like the influences of like this is not an old conversation, but influences of black culture and how we how we. kind of absorb it into different kinds of medias and just like oh it's a it's an inflection but like where you can very clearly see like no like what you're saying like oh yeah we see as a like but this is like an ode to something else yeah. people will absolutely be like oh this is the boy band sound but it's like eh. yeah it's like it's really know. it's really just the like a little bit more of a hood sound that's like what it is yeah <laughs> you know it's, you gotta you gotta you know walk the line of appropriation versus uh homage yeah right? and i think this is more homage than appropriation i think like it's one of those things where i'm like yeah i think that can be there this is one of those things where it's an opinion thing where i'm like yeah ah, it, it i don't have an opinion on it but it, it's like i don't think they were trying to like definitely do not, anything yeah, offensive defi- or anything like yeah. that but i think like it's a really interesting conversation piece to have uh, that somebody would like i'm sure if i like looked it up like oh, yeah, oh what, yeah. like what would people's take be on like, it nowadays, scholars, yeah. nowadays yeah. you know like because remove right like what we're gonna talk about in the rest of the song that has nothing to do with what we're saying but like yeah i could i was like what was little baby just doing bop into this singing it from her chest like she meant it because adult jess is like ew ew <laughs> ew i hate this <laughs> so what's the song about <sighs> just the grossest man he's nagging this woman he's so oh he's uh, no good like so it opens up with you might been hurt babe that ain't no lie and i no, i, I had no no i read that my first thought was did you hurt her <laughs> was it you yeah i was like because i'm just saying like how was she hurt yeah and i mean we learned it's that she is you know she felt heartbreak one too many times i guess yeah you know uh which you know happens yeah, yeah. She's she's trying to move on from troubled relationships, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, not bad. No, right? like, no. Like, that's not bad. If you stop there, it's, like, you know, the difference between a- actual concern and concern that boosts your own ego, right? Like, you might have been hurt, babe. That ain't no lie. Yeah. You want a cookie? Yeah. End statement. I'll be your friend. Yeah, right? Like, uh... Mm, that's not that's not gonna fill up a song though i guess i mean i could write a song about just building you up just gassing you up you had a bad time let's do it not not 19 year old boys no he's they're gonna use it to their advantage yeah because like it quickly turns from yeah i'm here for you it's horrible that you've been hurt you know but i'm not gonna do that to you you should get with me it's not even just that right so we're looking at the first lyrics you may you might been hurt that ain't no lie um You've seen them all come and go. I remember you told me that it made you believe in no man, no cry. Again, very black statement. Uh, And maybe that's why, right? Like, so you're saying that she was in a vulnerable place and she shared with you, probably thinking you were her friend. Like, man, like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm done with men. Like, I I just can't anymore. Like, every time I step out and I give this must hurt. You told me. You told me you were hurt. You told me you don't believe in love. 
but that's why I'm coming after you. Like, that's the song, guys. That's the song. And, and the chorus is, he goes full victim. It's like, oh, why do you do this to me? It's <laughs> Every little thing I do never seems enough to because I'm not about you. I'm about me right now. Back up. Every little thing I do never seems enough for you. You don't want to lose it again, but I'm not like them. <laughs> Baby, when you finally get to love somebody, guess what? It's going to be me. gross i was like i, I <laughs> the we've seen this trope in a few of these boy band songs yes. where the boys very quickly going like man you hurt me so bad i didn't do anything wrong i'm perfect you just if you just be with me you'd understand you know the the assuming the role of the victim is so stupid yeah <laughs> it's so childish yeah i do want to say kids i understand that that the meat the heart behind the song is supposed to be just like Hey, I really want to take care of you, and I know you've been hurt. I'm a good but we guy. Can, but we can work this out. Like, I'm a good guy. I just want to be there for you and, and show you that you deserve love. Cool. I get the heart, uh, the intentionality behind it, but kids, especially kids who are boys out there looking looking to flirt, no. I'm sure there's... That's not what you're... That's not what it's being... That's not That's not what I am hearing as a lady. <laughs> if, if not this term, I'm sure there's a term out there for it, but I'm going to call it the, the, the good guy fallacy. Mm. It's like... Just because you think you're a good guy, that doesn't mean you're owed any kind of like romantic affection. Nope. You know, it's not like a you don't you don't earn it like nope. like it's an achievement in, on the Xbox. Nope. Same goes for you women. Absolutely not. Nope. But, but this song screams of good guy fallacy. Yeah. You know? It's like all oh, those other guys, they're 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 bad. They hurt you. But not me. Not me. I'll never do that. Mm -mm. And and then let's just go into the next verse because this is where I just, oof. <laughs> he starts oof. begging. No, not even just like, you've got no choice, babe, but to move on. And I put, stop trying to dictate the actions of my life. I'm, I'm, next, read, I'm reading this as he's like slowly like, like getting closer. She's like backing up into a corner. Ugh. Next line. There ain't no time to waste. You're just too blind to see. Not the negging, not the, hold on, hold on. Not saying you don't have a choice. Also, you're blind to see. Are you now calling me stupid saying that I'm wasting my, my time? No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was Spanish, just in case. <laughs> But in the end, you know it's gonna be me. You can't deny. So just tell me why. Okay. <laughs> like, that's where it's getting super desperate by that point. I can you can you just see? Maybe I'll screenshot this so the kids can see it. On do you see these notes? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I have notes. I literally wrote to this line. You can't deny. And another line that comes a little bit later after the chorus. Uh, there, there comes a day when I'll be the one you'll see. And I wrote. 
that's a very specific subset of people. That are, if we were in a soulmate AU and your full name was written on my ring finger in your distinctive handwriting, and because of some fan fiction tomfoolery, there was a marriage law enacted, and the law stated specifically that if you met the person with their name on your hand, you had to end every other relationship and be with that person, I would go to prison. Screw you, dude. Like, <laughs> like I took the time to write that because I, because this dude, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's going to be me. You can't deny it. Oh, watch me. I would you'll, rather. You'll, you'll see. I would rather drive into the ocean. Like. It's not even playing the victim by that point. He's like saying like, I'll be proven right. You're wrong. You just, you're, you're just, you're too naive or stupid to understand me. I want to commit a crime against you. Step off. Where's your mother right now? I'm going to tell her that she raised a bad dude. I'm going to tell your daddy too. Where are your siblings? What school do you go to? Like. Yeah, guys, don't talk to women this way. Don't talk to <laughs> nobody this way. The crap. I get to decide for myself. And if I make a bad decision, like, again, a little bit later, I wrote, respect that I, <laughs> respect that I need time to grieve and heal over the bad relationship decisions I have already made and see that that means it is not you at this time and it may never be you. Like, stop taking advantage. <sighs> <laughs> the song's a bop, but the lyrics are trash. Yeah, it was like that, that part where it's like, there comes a day, that, that bridge, it's very pretty. <laughs> There comes a day when I'll be the one you see. It's gonna, it's gonna be me. Like it's, it's very well sung, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The, the lyrics are, man, this is this is uh, this is quite problematic. Oh gosh, so trashy, so tra gonna be May dead. Buried. <laughs> Nobody's gonna find your body. Step off. Anyway, those are my thoughts on that one. Did you have anything to have? No, that you know. <laughs> that, I think that I think you hit it on the head. There's nothing I can say that can top what you just said. Oh man. But I will say, it's gonna be May was surprisingly the only number one single released by NSYNC, despite six of their other singles appearing on the top ten of that chart. Really? They never had a number one after this. Wow. Not bye bye bye. Not tearing up my heart. It was only That's May. <laughs> wild. And also, ew, kids, better lyrics. I mean, look, little Jessica was loving this. Yeah, this was on Radio Disney. Ugh. Anyway, to round this one out, uh, in 2015, Rolling Stone ranked this song as the 15th greatest boy band song of all time. I need to see that list. <laughs> and It's Gonna Be May was popularized as an internet meme titled It's Gonna Be May, the month. <laughs> After a Tumblr image of NSYNC member Justin Timberlake, and you know the one, the one with the noodle hair, <laughs> yes, uh, was posted in 2012 with the respective caption, mm. which gained the attention of Barack Obama and Timberlake himself. <laughs> uh, to mark the song's 20th anniversary in 2020, it was temporarily renamed to It's Gonna Be Me, parentheses, It's Gonna Be May, <laughs> on digital platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Cute. Yeah, and I see it's gonna be May all the time, every April. Sometimes just like randomly in like October, <laughs> like uh, Mega sixty four on Twitter love to just retweet that sometimes <laughs> for like no reason. Uh, it's the simple things, but it's always the one picture of Justin. Always, yeah, yeah. 
But that's it's gonna be May. It was him. It was him, and also it was May when we were recording this. Yes, it is now June. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next song we're talking about is maybe my favorite. We've talked. We're gonna talk about today. No, this okay. one is so fun. <laughs> like every time I was listening to it for notes and things, I was like having such a great time. It's such a good song. It's just a bop. This song is called Space Cowboy, parentheses, yippee, yay, yay. Future looks bright, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I feel like that was something Will Smith would say? <laughs> I, I, it's just sound. This sound. I, I I should just say it now. I was gonna say this is this should have been on the soundtrack of some, some space movie yeah. from the year two thousand. Yeah. Uh, it was it was meant for a soundtrack from a movie. It, it, it was never it, put on one. It's you, not too late. Do you know what movie came out in the year two thousand? Um, Titan AE. Oh, did it? Yeah. This would have been perfect. On the soundtrack for Titan AE. Mm. Even as like a credits theme or something. Yeah. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Treasure Planet even. No. No, they weren't space boys. They were space pirates. Oh, man. But uh, before we get into it, this song is co-written and co-produced by J.C. Chazé. Alongside producers Rip Rock and Alex G. That's, uh, which so, is why they keep saying Rip Rock yeah, and Alex like G. Yeah, like at the very beginning, uh, you can hear J.C. whisper, Rip Rock, A.G., that he's talking Come in to them. over. Yeah, as if he's like, you know, a, an astronaut. Yeah. Like raiding into Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's who they are. But yeah, this this song is basically JC's song. He he he's the brains behind it. He yep. is the space cowboy. It's a really good song, JC. Like, it's the least offensive we'll be talking about. Today. It also is like the most bubble brained. Oh yeah. <laughs> the song is kind of about nothing. Yeah, it's really on the about surface nothing. level. Like we I think it's 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 so abstract that we can kind of just do pull, whatever we yeah, want. Yeah, we can analyze it whatever way we want. Um and I know you have like your own interpretations of what the song's about. And it, I can I kind of have mine too. Yeah, honestly, I like my interpretations are really just at the beginning and I'm like, "Ah," and then as I continue, I'm like, "What?" I keep <laughs> I like I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? Huh?" <laughs> it's how I felt about this song. But is it a bop? Absolutely. Well, so what, what do you think the song's about? Um, well, at the very beginning, it just it makes me think of the Y2K. Here it comes, millennium. Everybody's talking. Were they talking about Jerusalem? Was everyone talking about Jerusalem? Not that I know of. Or was it like New Jerusalem? Like, you know, Miss Lauren Hill. <laughs> I don't know. Like... Um, it, it just sounds like like doomsday stuff, maybe? Yeah, like, there's a couple other things a little bit later where they're talking about, like, we don't all need these prophecies telling us what's a sign, what's a sign, um, or... Because um, paranoia ain't the way to live your life from day to day. We don't need all these prophecies telling us what's a sign. Paranoia ain't the way to live your life from day to day. Yeah, and then other was like you, uh, like yeah. So like, there's things in it where it just feels very much like scare. Yeah, he's addressing paranoias of the day. Yeah, and in the year 2000 or in 99 when they were writing this right. music, everyone was. 
concerned about the Y2K bug or whatever. Destroying everything. <laughs> Get in your doomsday shelters, everyone. The nukes are going to go off. My new Kia is not going to work anymore. Yeah, is, no, is, is the Kias will always work. Is this the beginning of the end? <laughs> is yep. this the beginning or the beginning of the end? It is neither. It is the middle somewhere. So you think JC is addressing the Yeah, it the felt fears. it felt very like um it felt topical in the way that it's it especially this was written in 99 probably, definitely. Yeah. And and now we're in the new millennium and nothing broke. So it's just kind of like, you know, how about we keep our eyes on the sky? Yeah, how about we like not worry about like let's just keep pushing forward and stuff. Yeah, like so in 99 it was like, "Hey, don't don't worry about like what what could possibly go wrong like live for the future you know like, <laughs> like be excited be optimistic because the future's bright y'all yeah like that kind of thought process of like even if all the computers shut down we got here some way we can redo it like you know we didn't lose any of the knowledge of how this stuff worked and so it's like so i'll keep my eyes on the sky heavenly yeah. item and then i'm just very confused at some point i was like is this about drugs i don't think so <laughs> Here's my interpretation. So I, I think you're right. I, I, I could I could totally see the song drawing inspiration from Y2K and the fears involved. Uh, but I also like the, the little things like the reference to Jerusalem and prophecies. It, it all gave me a weird spiritual mm, yeah, like, yeah. mumbo jumbo yeah. idea. You know, I was like, the song is vaguely spiritual, mm -hmm. vaguely, vaguely, you know, and then, and then JC goes like, is this the beginning or the beginning of the end? Well, I've got other thoughts, my friend. See, I've got my eyes on the sky. Mm. The heavenly body's up high. Mm. And if you're in the mood to take a ride, then strap on a suit and get inside, right? Is this some beginning or beginning of the end? Well, I've got other thoughts, my friends. See, I got my eyes on the skies. The heavenly body's up high. If you're in the mood to take a ride, then strap on a And then he's singing about being a space cowboy. Yeah. But like without the space cowboy imagery, <laughs> if it wasn't about space cowboys, it sounds to me like someone advocating for Jesus. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey, put all your your fears aside. Cast them aside because I've got my mind and my eyes on something above, right? Mm -hmm. Something more uh <laughs> heavenly. <laughs> I'm heaven bound. Something more than heaven bound. Oh wait, but, sorry. But then, it, then it takes a hard left turn into being a space cowboy. <laughs> yippee yay, yippee yo, yippee yo. <laughs> <laughs> the best turn so i was like thinking i was like okay one i need to find out is jc religious mm -hmm. and two is he some kind of scientologist <laughs> because for him heaven is getting into a spaceship and and flying off into the sky i mean did uh, you find he grew up meninist okay uh <laughs> which had nothing to do with spaceships it's just a particular denomination of christianity i guess i've never heard of it yeah Men interesting meninism mennonite mennonite and uh <laughs> but part of me thinks that maybe this was meant spiritually and then it was like 
Yeah, but it's also a back or but it's also an NSYNC song. Let's just talk about having fun too. <laughs> Let's do that. How do we build the Tower of Babel? Nah, just get in a space cab. <laughs> just like I don't know. So for 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 NSYNC or for JC, heaven is being a space cowboy, y'all. I mean, fair. Oh my gosh, y'all. <laughs> I was going to say, like, there are places where it, it feels right. I read that, too. And I was like, this feels a little bit like petitioning to God. Like, mm, hey, keep your eyes and your thoughts. But then, like, the next verse is talking about, like, we don't need prophecies or what's a sign. Because, you know, and it feels a little bit more like, yeah, all that God crap's paranoid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, so maybe, you know, maybe he's writing it off. So maybe it's about him. It's like, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. Don't Don't worry about, like where we're going to go from here. Don't be scared. Of, mm. Don't be doubtful. Just just do it. Have just. a good time right now. Like mm -hmm. the future's bright. Look at all this technology. Yeah. You know, like we can have fun right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hedonist. Is it hedonist or yeah, yeah. hedonist? Hedonism. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see that. And I like, like, it's such an interesting, that's why I was like, what is the song saying? It's saying a lot of things. It's got a lot of different views, which I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then the only part was like, if you want to fly, come and take a ride, take a ride with me. So that's when I was like, drugs? <laughs> I <laughs> think it's just like, hey, ride? jump on the NSYNC train because mm. we're going to have some fun. Yeah. These boys <laughs> will be fun. So that's why I was like, this song is tr maybe trying to say something, but also nothing at all. Why I, I, yippee, yay, yay, yippee, yay, yo, <laughs> yippee, yippee, yay, yay. <laughs> But I do remember like being a little kid and putting this CD in the CD player and like I was like me and my friend Steven listening to this song on the boombox and playing with my Super Mario plush toys. <laughs> you know what I want? Dancing to this song oh and like gosh. throwing them in the air. So cute. Oh, so, so cute. Yeah, this I, I just I could picture my room in that moment. <laughs> like just listening to this song. I want an edit of uh, y I I Y P I, and then the whole thing, and then just John McClane, <laughs> mother. Yippee yay yay. No. Yippee yay yay. Yippee yay yay. Of course, the the song also has a guest uh, musician. Lisa. Lisa Left Eye Lopez yes. does a rap. Yes, she does. Let's hear a little bit of that. <laughs> but it, it, she does a very good job. That was a great yeah. little rap, even though She's she didn't she didn't say a whole lot. No, uh, she kind of repeated, "Hey, no fears, no doubts." You know, yeah, repeating the same kind of stuff. But space connect to overthrow your interception. Don't know what that means. No, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> this song doesn't mean anything. This song it means whatever you want it to mean. All it means is have a good time and be a space cowboy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The song really like the song is so empty, but it's so much fun. Oh, it's it's so great. <laughs> it's so much fun. This is like the perfect pop song because it's fizzy. 
and poppy, but it doesn't doesn't mean anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things I'm going to put on this unproblematic, confusing piece, and I'm going to dance with my stuffed animals in my room. That, that, that's what it's about. <laughs> this is a perfect kid's little, like a little kid's song. Perfect adult me song. I think that's all you really have to say about Space Cowboy. Yippee-ki-yo. Oh, you want to go into another song? It's going to make you mad, probably. Sure. All right. Next song we're going to talk about is called It Makes Me Ill. I'm mad. I was hanging with the fellas, saw you with your new boyfriend and made me jealous. I was hoping that I'd never see you with him, but it's all good because I'm glad that I met him. Because <laughs> now I know the competition's very slim to none, and I can tell by looking that he's not the one. He's not the type you said you like to style his whack clothes or bag. Come on, girl, let him go. I want you back. Call me a hater if you want to, but I- You can call me a hater if you want to. <laughs> you know, the problem. the problem is... Again, it's another fun, catchy bit. Yep. This song sounds the most like the R&B of the time. Mm. You know, this sounds the most mo- like mo- modern, like, contemporary mm. of the, the, the numbers we we're going to talk about today. You know? Yeah. And there's a reason for that. This song was written and produced by Kevin Briggs, Candy, and Shakespeare, best known for writing and producing the TLC song, No Scrubs. Oh, yeah, I hear that. I hear a lot oh, of that. Oh, I hear yeah. a lot of that. Once I read that, I was like, oh, it makes total sense. Yep, yeah, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to unknow that information. <laughs> Would you consider uh, the InSync Scrubs or no. not Scrubs? I think it is. A, I, no, this song, he a scrub. He a scrub. The, the speaker of the song is a scrub? Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, what's the song about then? Gosh, there's so many notes on my page. I was like, okay, this is sort of like the, this is sort of like the inverse of uh, it's gonna be May, where it's about a guy who wa- he got the girl and because she was like, okay, sure, I'll give you a chance, and then broke up with him because oh. nope. Oh, so this is a continuation. Of the yeah, story. I just thought it was two different dudes, but it's like one guy is begging to be with the woman, having never been with her, and feeling like, you know, like should be me, like it's mm. like resentment. This song is about he had the girl, he gave her up, and now he wants her back. Yeah. Who wrote this one? Oh, those two people. Like, yeah. So the boys mm-hmm. didn't really have Mm-mm. say, okay, cool, cool, cool. Not that I know of. So in my mind, it is, um, in my mind, the first song that we talked about, it's going to be May, is this guy who's like, yo, I know you've been hurt, but we going to date. Just get up. Like, just stop. Come on. And then they dated. And then she broke up. And with he became him. the heartbreaker. She broke up with him. And this song is like, yeah, no, you still belong with me. That's that's this guy. <laughs> I was hanging with the fellas, saw you with your new boyfriend, it made me jealous. I literally wrote, mind your business. <laughs> mind your business, son. I was hoping that I'd never see you with him, but it's all good, because I'm glad that I met him. Toxic. <laughs> Cause Yeah, this is a conniver. Cause now I know the com because now I know the competition is slim to none. Like <laughs> Honey, you had your chance. Honey, like if your ex-girlfriend saw us out and was like, oh, is that what your sloppy seconds looks like? I could have. That's the song. That's the song. Oh, <laughs> because right there, like what the same voice. Um, he's not the type you said you like. Could I'm a complex woman. I'm going to throw hands <laughs> is what I was going to say. I just, so this is like, could you imagine, could you imagine somebody like, could you imagine <laughs> your ex thinking, oh, oh, 
you couldn't do any better than me. So you ended up with her. Wow. And so I'm going to just step in here, completely ignore your wife and talk directly at you because I know you want me. What does that mean? Like, she's saying you made a stupid decision breaking <laughs> up with crazy. her. You're crazy. Go like, away. Like, that's the song. <laughs> that's this scrub. Uh, <laughs> this uh, is a scrub. Uh, I hate it. I hate it so this much. This is the companion to No Scrubs. This is the, No Scrubs is the girl is, singing to this guy. This man is hanging out his friend's window trying to holla like. <laughs> uh, no, I. I uh, that that's that second verse there is describing the guy who apparently is a slim competition, right? It was like, what's wrong with him? His style is whack. Clothes are bad. Come on, let him go. I want you back. That's all he has. That's all he's got. That guy, he's got no style. He's got no grace. He's just like... This guy's got a funny face. (laughs) Sorry, that was a Donkey Kong rap. So dumb. But yeah, like, it's just like, oh, he dresses bad. And I want you back. And I dress fly. So just quit it. I know that I'm the one. Like... (laughs) It makes me mad. And the next line, call me a hater if you want. And I just... I will. Use a hater. (laughs) (laughs) But I only... Hate on him because I want you. And I said, he, at ew. Least, at least he's forward. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just so dumb. That's just so dumb. Like, that's childish. It is. It is. And it's, it's, but it's a thing that people do all the time. Like, I hate your girlfriend because I'm not her. Like, you know, that's it, a it, real it, sentiment it, that people do. It's very possessive, you know, like, but you with, but you without me ain't right, ain't right. You could say I'm crazy if you want to, but it's true. I'm crazy about you. Right. It's just like it's it's oddly possessive. Like you belong to me. Right? Yeah, like, no, it just doesn't make sense. So just stop that. Just, I know we're talking it bad. Could you just play the chorus so we could hear how good it sounds to sing along to this crazy? I just—it's very well harmonized. It's so—it's like I'm dancing. I'm dancing here. <laughs> I'm dancing, even though my notes <laughs> are very angry. It, like it, I tell you what, NSYNC and Justin Timberlake—they they have like magical powers with their voices, where it's just like you immediately hear them and your thoughts just melt away. You're uh, just like I can't even think about what you're saying right now. I'm no just like thoughts, mesmerized, just bops. <laughs> mesmerized <laughs> by how you're saying the words. <laughs> it's so bad. Like it's like that- alchemy. <laughs> Right. Vocal alchemy. Vocal me. <laughs> I like literally on the chorus, I was like, why did she, why did we break up? I feel like she made the right decision. I literally wrote something as a child. Uh, I wrote a chapter book as a child that I never finished about um, a possessive boyfriend <laughs> who wanted to be with his girlfriend and he was getting too possessive and the girlfriend was like, yeah, no, I dumped him. It was, a, it was a lot, a lot of red flags. And then he kidnaps her and murders her to also self, because she's like, if I can't have you, nobody can. So we'll just both die together and be together and have, that's the vibe this song gives me. Like, like, 
girl, girl, I know that we broke up, but that doesn't mean you should give me the cold shoulder. No, it does. Why did we break up? Because I feel like looking at the chorus in the verse that preceded this. Why you? I'm gonna. I broke up with you, and I never. I might have a restraining order. I feel like a restraining order is in place, and I don't know why you didn't leave when you saw me with your boys. Let's go. Like you know. I can tell that you don't really love that guy, so there's no need for you to go and waste your time. I think you know I love you more, girl. You gotta let him go. I want you, so just give him that verse plus the chorus also show him taking the the, the victim route again. Uh, you know, it's like I'm the victim. You know, you, you, how could you do this to me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can I, it, you imagine it just, how it just I hurt, feel? It makes me ill. It hurts me to see you with another guy. I just, I, I love you so much. And it just, it makes me feel bad. Good. That was what I was aiming for. I hate this. I hate this character. Like, like, can you imagine how it makes me feel? No, I don't think about you. I think about the man who bags my groceries more than I think about you. Goodbye now. Do I sound like a hard woman? Because I'm like, no, I literally have notes on this thing that say, run, girl, run. He, he's a, he, he, he says he's looking out for her best interests. I can tell you don't really love that guy. And there's no need for you to go and waste your time, your time. This is how I know it's the same guy as the first song, because he's talking about wasting your time again. <laughs> connections and then it's like i think you know i love you more girl you gotta let him go i want you so give him the boot break up with him because i want you more at least he's forward <sighs> no i was like that's that's a a, a foolishly confident man no toxically mm -mm. confident which mm -mm. is like funny like <laughs> funny like, from your side as a woman i'm like no yeah, that's literally why i said run i said run no 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 if he thinks he has that much that much dominance, power and yeah. dominance over your decision making no seriously move yeah. states yeah. Like, that's, like, that's, that's, that's some like gross alpha stuff right there uh, <laughs> uh and because justin timberdake in my head is the the like lead of this group he's the main <laughs> you're just picturing him yeah with, it's with just him hair. both songs are just him i'm sorry mr lake of timber mr randall this is you you is weird run i hope your marriage is very happy run jessica <laughs> <laughs> oh man is that all you got to say um i feel revulsion this is not cute what why did i rate that Oh, it makes me ill because you used to be my girl, used to be my girl, used to be my girl. Yeah, it makes me ill because you used to be my girl. Ooh, come, on, come on, my girl. <laughs> so baby, come back to me already. Yep, that makes me want to gag. Oh, it makes me ill because she used to be my girl. Why does it make me sick? Oh, because I used to own you. Like, that's like when you look at toddlers in daycare and somebody, like one person picks up a toy that someone had yesterday and they start crying and fighting over that toy. It's mine. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> boys will be boys. <laughs> <laughs> Something I thought, okay. 
that I think that's all. That's it for for makes me ill. The song yeah. makes me ill. The lyrics it make does. me ill. Uh, but the the ending, like I had some thoughts about it. I just thought it was so weird and interesting. I mean, sick. <laughs> this is good. Was that weird? I don't know why, but it makes me think that they're making from. It makes me think they're making fun of Eminem. Oh no, that's like I, in my opinion, classic hip hop stuff. Like that's okay. just hip hop influences. The people okay. who wrote this wrote stuff for like TLC. Got it. <laughs> so I get it. That, that just it gave me so much Slim Shady vibes, which is of this era, mm. you know. And, and hey, you know, uh, Slim Shady was calling out Chris Kirkpatrick in his songs at the exact same time as this. So uh, yeah, it's like they, they had beef. They did have beef. They could. It could have been a, a Slim Shady issue. But I don't, it's I, also a, a classic hip hop cool. thing. I'm glad we. Uh, yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I, I could hear your perspective. That, that just reminded me of Eminem just so much. You know, it's gravy, baby. Yeah, and then the uh, the warbling. What is that? The auto tune on the yeah, voice yeah. and stuff. There's, I, there, I get it. There's there's a lot of auto tune um, in these songs. Like mm. uh, a song we we considered but didn't talk about really used the auto-tune yeah uh, and i'm sure they were influenced by share because share was revolutionizing the mm. auto-tune in pop music at the time mm -hmm. so i was like that's interesting yeah you know it's, it's kind of cool that they were on the cutting edge like that yeah we could have talked about that but we didn't yeah. <laughs> uh and to wrap up the legacy of it makes me ill in 2019 ariana grande quoted the lyrics of this song in her single break up with your girlfriend i'm bored yeah, I was thinking about that song every time I was talking about it. Yeah, I feel like the the the, the trilogy that you need to listen to now is <laughs> "It Makes Me Ill," "No Scrubs," and "Break Up with Your Break Up with Your Girlfriend on Board." We shall make a YouTube playlist and link it on Twitter. Nice. <laughs> and uh, rounding out our conversation tonight, we're going to talk about the song "That's When I'll Stop Loving You." The least offensive of the love songs, quote unquote love. When winter comes in summer, when there's no more forever. Yeah, yeah. That's when I'll stop loving Ah, uh, kids, you know this song, this big, big hit, the song that nobody could ever forget off of this album that we all played on repeat. It was on every radio station. We 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 do the we do the deep cut sometimes just to give <laughs> everyone a you know a rounded picture of what the album is. This is one of the songs I would most likely skip when I listen to it as a eight year old. Yep. You're like, this isn't poppy. I can't dance in my bedroom to this. Yeah, no, the slow jams were not my thing mm. back then. Or now, really, like having listened to this one, I don't hate it. Yeah, like there's there's a there's a lot to enjoy about this song. It's a very pretty song. Mm -hmm. The voices sound good. Yeah, and uh, instrumentally, it's just you know, it's very. It, there's a lot of stuff that I was like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, music. Yeah, I think yeah. I wanted to. I know we've got like freaking bye bye bye, no strings attached, a bunch of songs on here that like 
we're not talking about. And I think that's because I do want to like a little bit of a like we usually talk about like what the filler looks like. And this album has a lot less filler. Yeah, the, even the deep cuts are like good, strong. Yeah. yeah, there's there's not a lot of fat on this album. It's yeah. just like a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we get too far into it, this song was written by legendary songwriter Diane Warren, who is oh. responsible for, among others, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge, If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher, Because You Love Me by Celine Dion, How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes, and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Wow. The big bopper ballads. This wow. Is the, the, that's her forte. She, I mean, <laughs> those songs. Yeah. They're good. And it was produced by Guy Roach, who, as we talked about in our 1999 music episode, wrote and produced most of the hit singles on Christina Aguilera's debut album. Yeah. So it's like there the, was pow- a lot the of power filler. team here. There was a lot of filler on that album. <laughs> but he wrote what, it, like, he at least produced and co-wrote What a Girl Wants, mm. Jeannie Ate a Bottle, yeah, yeah. so on and so on. Nice. So what did you think of the song? It's, it's like, fluffy, like... <laughs> tender nothings <laughs> it's, it's just like i'll never stop loving you that's it yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it's like this contradiction when pigs fly that's when i'll stop loving you <laughs> it's like you know these these physical impossibilities that's when i'll stop loving you because loving you is a physical impossibility not loving you is a physical impossibility yeah 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 it's like the the <sighs> It's boring. <laughs> Lyrically, it's super boring. I will say that this character is not the same as the previous character we talked about. Like, or if it is, it's when before he approached her in It's Gonna Be May, and it was just the stalker staring from a long distance. <laughs> it was the secret quest. I feel but like this, this feels different because it's far less offensive. It's just, it's sensitive, but extremely cliche. Yeah. When, a- when, Winter comes to in summer, which will never happen. When there's no more forever, which will never happen. That's when I'll stop loving you. So it'll never happen. Yeah. And I'd like some of these things because they were so cliche. I'll like write some. When winter comes in summer, I was like, in Britain? In Britain, a, a <laughs> British southern summer is hemisphere? cold. I was like, that happens. It's, it's, I said, what is winter but a cold season? <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, no, that, that happens. And when there's no more forever, and I'm like, okay. I'll give you that, I suppose, but that's a linguistic thing. And then later they say, oh, no. <laughs> when lies become the truth, I said politics 2016. <laughs> oh, dear. Alternative facts. <laughs> and um, as long as sunlight, wait, as long as sunlight lights the sky, and I said, so not at either of the poles <laughs> during winter. <laughs> or at night. <laughs> or at night. Like, oh, I'm only I'm my Pat daytime Man. love. Like, <laughs> I won't love you at night. <laughs> And it's just silly, right? And then there's some stuff like, you'll never cry as long as I'm there. False. An impossibility. Like, you know? So. <laughs> when the world doesn't turn anymore, when the stars will decide to stop shining, till then, I'm going to be by your side. When this world doesn't turn anymore, when the stars all decide 
I mean, I gotta go to the bathroom, but I don't want you there, bro. Like, <laughs> I just, it's, it's a song. <laughs> I like feel a little bit bad. Like kids, I feel like I should be like, oh, you, you should give it a listen. Cause I know it's a song that you definitely <laughs> have not heard or cannot remember hearing, but it's nothing. <laughs> it's a song that says very little about anything, but it's, but it's not it as is, fun as Yippie Kaye. It's not fun, but it also is very pleasant to listen to. It's, yeah. it's, it's a totally fine, good little song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I'm sure you've heard these words before. Yes. Because yes. they're extremely cliche. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hard for you to trust them once more. You're afraid it all might end. And a broken heart is scared of breaking again. It's a good line. I'm sure you've heard these words before. And I know it's hard for you to trust them once more. You're afraid it all might end. And again, far less offensive than you might be hurt, babe. Ain't no lie. Yeah, this is much more uh, sensitive about, yeah. you know, the, the, the lasting scars of a broken heart. Yeah, because that mess don't ever go away. Ever. You just develop good coping mechanisms. So it's just the same girl, you know? Um, <laughs> this, is, this, this, is is, this is the same girl, but she's not being approached by Justin. She's being approached by, by Chris, JC. Chris, the older gentleman who actually has some sense. I think it's JC. Oh, is JC the main on this one? Yeah, Justin and JC are singing lead on this yeah. one. So, uh, <laughs> come on, babe. Come ride on my spaceship with me. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I know, I know it's, I know you hurt. But you know what? When the stars stop shining, I'll stop loving you. Hey, you want to go see the stars? Hop into my space car. <laughs> yippee yeah, yeah, yippee yeah, yo, yippee yeah, yo. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the song, kids. Yeah, it, it's it's not a lot going on. It's not. Do you I, feel sad that I made us talk about no, this one? No, it's fine. It was it was my choice amongst two, but um, <laughs> I picked this one because of some of the music musicality. Mm. Uh, so let me highlight some of that. Yeah. That guitar is so smooth. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So are all the backing vocals and the like harmonies and the like highs. Ugh. Yeah. So one, the 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 vocals, right? That harmonizing, especially I don't know who that alto is, mm. but that, I think it might be Chris who goes really high. Yeah. And I was like, that's one a <laughs> skill. Two, I was like, that sounds Super like a woman. Super impressive. <laughs> that sounds like a woman. Sorry. <laughs> sounds like just some lady. But no, no, that's super. Anyway, that reminded me of Zap, the funk band. Like, uh, Zap used a lot of, like, uh, vocal like vocal synthesizers to synthesize mm -hmm. his voice. Like, early auto-tune. That's what that reminded me of. 
anyway, yeah, it gave me some Zap vibes. But that guitar solo was so good. That's why I chose this song over yeah. the other one. Yeah. I couldn't tell who played the guitar on this song with that guitar solo. But the two guitar players for the album were Michael Thompson and S. Bjorn Orwall. Orwall. <laughs> yeah. So no, it, was, it was definitely both of you, Slash. Both of you gentlemen, uh, congratulations. You, 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 you knocked it out of the park with that one. Straight out of the park. Good job, guys. And it's such a it's such a nice song, kids. I, I really do encourage you to give it like a listen. Um, just even if it's just playing around in the background. Go ahead and go re-listen to this whole album because there are only there are no bad songs. There are no bad songs. So yeah, I guess you answered the question. Would you recommend No Strings Attached? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would too. This album is a blast. It's so much fun. It's such a good album. If like, you're not listening to the lyrics, if you were not listening to the lyrics, you're fine. Yeah, it's horrible poetry. And oh. I feel like that's what happens when you're listening to a podcast. You're not talking about the music a lot, you know, sometimes. But yeah. like, no, this song was so much fun to listen to. Like yeah. every time we put it on, I was having a great time. Yeah. Because like for every like, you know, slow jam, you come back with a party jam and yeah. you're right back into it having fun. So it's, it's like Friday night and I just, just, just got paid money, 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 money. Like, like who does it? I sing that. I sing that almost every other week when I get paid kids. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, it's like the perfect balance of like, you know, come down for a slow jam and then right back to party. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Agree. This Husband is, is right. It's the perfect album to put on at your late 90s, early 2000s uh, throwback party. Yep. Yeah. Just play through the whole album. You don't have to shuffle. Yeah. You don't. No need to just do the singles. Do the whole album. Yeah. It captures the moment and time of 2000 better than almost any album ever released. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And make sure everyone line dances to Space Cowboy. <laughs> yippee ki yippee yippee <laughs> I can picture it. Uh, but what did the world think? Tell me. Thanks to months of intense anticipation, fueled not only by the lawsuits, but by the music video for Bye 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 and early internet previews, No Strings Attached sold over 2.4 million copies in its first week in the United States alone, Ooh. setting the record for the most copies sold in a single week. Dang. It would hold on to that record for 15 years until it was eventually surpassed by Adele's 25. Wow. Entertainment Weekly described the first day sales as, quote, perhaps the greatest mass spending of allowances in history. <laughs> That's so cute. The album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, where it stayed for eight consecutive weeks, becoming one of the longest running number one albums of 2000. According to Billboard, No Strings Attached was the top album of the decade. The album also reached number one in Canada and Malaysia. The Recording Association of America certified No Strings Attached nine times platinum on April 19th, 2000, becoming the highest certified single disc album in the year of its release, breaking the record previously set in 1993 by Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard. Hey. The album was also certified platinum in Argentina, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. As of October 2014, No Strings Attached has sold 11.16 million copies with an additional 1.52 million copies unreported in that total. It is now certified diamond. Ooh. That's good job. Like, considering it's the one that they got to do after they broke out of the machine. Good job. Made the most money. Yeah. No Strings Attached received a warm yet tempered response from critics. All Music, for example, said the album, quote, blows away their previous record and, quote, pulls away from the standard dance pop formula. 
Sputnik Music said No Strings Attached contained, quote, few outstanding pop tracks and a little to no filler, but described the overall album as, quote, enjoyable from start to finish. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And in a review that NSYNC's teenage fans labeled, quote, totally uncool, Entertainment Weekly criticized the album for being, quote, overstuffed with tracks clearly concocted with a concert stage in mind. Hey, guess how artists actually make their money? Mm. In concert. Shut up. <laughs> would you would you describe that? Yes, as that's uncool. That's so stupid. I was like, "Hi, I'm 19 years old and all the money I made in the last 3 years was stolen from my per- This is how I'm going to make my money. People are going to show up to the, the venues and watch me perform. Step off. <laughs> I feel like no one no one even cared to read the reviews. They bought the album already. Yeah. yeah it was like the album the reviews are like redundant yeah, at that point. At this point, like, yeah. no, I bought it. <laughs> At the Grammy Awards, No String Attached was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album, while Bye 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 was nominated for Record of the Year and Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. Did not win, though. It's, okay, Record of the Year meaning track. Yes. When you say record, I think whole album. I I do, too. Bye 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 is not the title of the album. The Grammy Awards confuse everybody all the time. (laughs) And the album won two Billboard Music Awards, two Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, three MTV Video Music Awards, and four... Teen Choice Awards. As well they should. Yep. And what of the legacy of No Strings Attached? In May 2000, NSYNC embarked on the No Strings Attached tour, which sold out all dates within the first day of ticket sales. Whoa. (laughs) Yep. It became the second highest grossing tour in North America that year, earning more than $70 million. Who outdid them? Tina Turner, who was... Uh, retiring. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, her absolutely. retirement tour was the reason why that Yeah, one. because the people going to that actually had the money. Right. <laughs> We're not children begging from their parents. The tour was first documented on the MTV series Making the Tour with a feature-length VHS and DVD following in February 2001. The video itself was certified platinum. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can certify platinum Even videos? the video release was, was a bestseller. The tour's four nights in Madison Square Garden were filmed for an HBO special. Which That's attract- the one we saw. Which attracted over 6 million viewers, becoming one of the highest rated concert specials on the network. Mm. The concerts were released on VHS and DVD also in November 2000, with that video being certified three times platinum. A full-length concert film entitled NSYNC Bigger Than Live was released exclusively to IMAX theaters in select cities in the United States and the United Kingdom in 2001. The film grossed over $1 million. So they produced three different concert films for this. Three. Make your money, baby. Make it. (laughs) And in September 2001, the band's performance at the Summer Music Mania aired as a special on Fox. And rounding out the legacy, No Strings Attached was ranked 111th on Billboard's top 200 albums of all time. Good job. Excellent job. And where did NSYNC go from here? Because... This is it. They stayed together forever. This is our end. Of, this is the end of the road with NSYNC. I think the end of the roads with the boy bands, at least for a while. I mean, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, but <laughs> I, for a while, I think the boy bands are going away. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. After breaking the bank with their no strings attached tour, the band went on to co-headline the Super Bowl 35 halftime show with Aerosmith and perform at the 2002 Winter Olympics. That's impressive. They quickly followed up No Strings Attached with 2001's Celebrity, which became the second fastest selling album of all time behind Michael Jackson. No Strings Attached. (laughs) 
After finishing the 2002 Celebrity Tour, NSYNC, at the suggestion of Justin Timberlake, went on what was supposed to be a temporary hiatus. The group has never recorded music together or toured since. Ooh. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that. I had thought that they like actually had a legit reunion, but nope. Huh. Only one-offs. Huh. They 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 they've never recorded music again. That's such. There a... has been no new in sync music for almost twenty years. So they just they've just been on break. Sort of. They like didn't break up. They just like are well, on break. Well, and no, they're they're done. I guess. Yeah, I mean, done. yeah, but yeah. like it wasn't a like. Hey, no, it was like, hey, Justin quiz. wants to do a solo thing. We'll give him some time. Yeah. And then that solo thing became his one thing. Yes, his actual career. Yes, I totally get that, but like. It wasn't at any point like, hey, I'm going to go and do this. We're both, like the band didn't break up. It was like, hey, we want to support you in doing this thing. Yeah. And we I, all, it sounded like some of the band members were under the impression that they were going to get back together to make new music once Justin was kind of Got back. this out of his system. <laughs> yeah. And then like it just became a, hey, Justin's just going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, uh, NSYNC's done, bro. Yeah. Oof. And like some of the band members were like, I wish you would have just told me. Like, oh, yeah. I, I would have been off doing other things. Yeah. That sucks. Yep. NSYNC has made various one-off reunions, though. They regrouped at the 2003 Grammy Awards to sing a televised Bee Gees medley. They performed the Star Spangled Banner at the 2004 NSYNC Challenge for Children. They gave a one-off performance at the 2013 MTV Video Music Awards, and they reunited to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2018. The group, Sands Timberlake, also reunited for a performance with Ariana Grande at Coachella 2019. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I hope they sang uh, Break Up With Your Boyfriend on Board. NSYNC <laughs> <laughs> was named Best Boy Band of the Late 90s and 2000s by Entertainment Weekly and was ranked number four on Billboard's list of the biggest boy bands ever. They were wrong. Backstreet Boys was the best. And finally, NSYNC has been cited as an influence by music acts like Kelsey Bellarini, Selena Gomez, Megan Trainer, Why Don't We, and Haley Williams. Yeah. All of those make sense. And that's NSYNC. Hey, good job, Insinks. Yep, yep. They were, they were, they, they, they burned out quickly. I guess it was, yeah. It they was, burned brightly. Supernova. They yeah. supernova and then just, you know, which is so weird because like scattered yeah, through the winds. They did, but it also like died a slow death on some people's, like you know, like for some members. Like, oh, okay, it's been three years. It's been five. It's been okay. Yep, that's kind of what, what happened. Ugh. Oh, That's man. that. That's that. So uh, next important question is, which was better? Simpty by Transatlantic or No Strings Attached by InSync? InSync. I agree. Yeah. Uh, listen, Transatlantic's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I think like the objective part of my brain says the music is better put together on Simpty. It's better performed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lyrics had more things to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had like we praised the lyrics much more. But absolutely, no strings attached is too much fun. Yeah, it and the nostalgia factor that that too. There's there's something about it where I I enjoyed myself way more listening to In Sync than I did Transatlantic. Absolutely. As weird as that sounds, not from weird. me. But oh, yeah, yeah. And like I said, they're they're like alchemists with their voices where it's just like <laughs> they make you just turn your brain off and you just like, yeah. Yeah. Wave my hands like I just don't care, but I really do care. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I, you know, in sync, taking it, taking it home. <sighs> but, you know, 
we can't just judge an album by its songs on the records on its track on its out al- the records on its album this is true you can't judge a music album by the music alone you need to judge it by its <laughs> album cover art so I don't need to. You need to. I have here the album artwork for Simpty and No Strings Attached. Uh, So you're looking at Simpty's album art. Can you just grab that one for me? Uh, There's a a metal... Dirigible? Dirigible. Starship, in the air. Nope. Definitely dirigible. There's three of them, technically. One is very clear. One is off in the distance. One looks like a baby whale following its mother. They are floating over a gray-green sea... And in the sky, which is clouded with purple and golds. And then it says transatlantic on the top. And then Simpty on the bottom. The the members of the band's name. Stoltz, Morse, Punanoi, Portnoy, Travas. Yep. So uh, this album art was created by artist Per Norden. Two covers were actually produced. Mm. One for Europe and one for North America. You're looking at the European version. I don't. Because it's boring. I don't like it. That's the one that I associate most with Simti. Mm-hmm. Uh, European record company Inside Out was reportedly tired of so many blue covers because the North American version was blue. Uh, so the artist was asked to make a second cover for the European edition. Okay. If you scroll over, you can see the American version. much better. Can you describe that one for me? It's the dirigible. It's only one of them. It's floating over a blue sea <laughs> in a blue clouded sky. I'm going to be honest. I personally like the European one better. It's weird. It's, it's I hazy. like it. I like it's purple. It's a beautiful purple sky mm-hmm. like at sunset. Um, I don't know. I mean, I get it, but I, I prefer the I prefer the blue one. I prefer the blue. one. Both are like perfect prog rock album covers though you yeah know, it's like you got this like airship it's like a little sci-fi a little fantasy mm-hmm. you know it's like cosmic in a way like, yeah it, it's it's perfect for a prog rock album i think they nailed it yeah like you look at classic yes covers from the 70s sticks and uh journey and they're similar looks all like that yeah mm. pink floyd and if you scroll over you can see the album art for no strings attached oh look at all that ramen hair <laughs> noodle hair oh so what do you see i see four boys with one justin in the center (laughs) and they're on a stage and they all have strings attached to them like like pinocchios marionettes and it says in sync with a star at the front and on the bottom no strings attached like i i guess this was taken from the i i don't know what you know chicken or the egg here but the music video for it's gonna be may was also had a marionette theme where mm-hmm. they're like little toys in a in a toy box kind of that thing. was it's gonna be me i yeah. thought that was no strings attached no i'm pretty sure it was uh it's gonna be me huh yeah uh so the, that whole the whole in the, the the live show also featured that aesthetic yeah it's like the boys came down as marionettes above the crowd <laughs> So it's iconic. I think it's ugly. Oh, it's ugly. It's definitely ugly. It's it's very it's not a unsettling. Good, to yeah, me. it's it is iconic. It's absolutely iconic. I don't like it. It's like it's like body horror sort of like looking at. This. I can, I can see what you're yeah, saying. I, I don't like it. I like Transatlantic's way better. Father. Um. Yeah. No. No. I like Transatlantic. The blue ones better. If I had to pit the purple and no strings attached, I would flip a coin. They're both equally bad. Wow. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess we're going to go with Transatlantic's North American cover. Yeah. The blue one. The blue one. Because to go with the blue period. Yes. 
this works. It all lines up. This, it was meant to be. Nice. So that's that. What's our next order of business? Uh, would you like to talk about Runners Up? Yes, I would. Let's talk um, about mu- the music we could have been listening to if it weren't these two. I think I'm going to start with mine because for once I have a shorter list than you. Oh, there you go. So if we weren't listening to NSYNC, we could have been listening to M2M's Shades of Purple. What is that? It's purple. What's M2M? It's a girl group. Okay. <laughs> and they had a couple of songs that were like hits. And Mirror Mirror is one of them um, that I still, again, sing occasionally when I'm standing in the mirror. It's great. But yeah, like they had like, you sometimes will hear me go, Mirror Mirror's hanging on the wall. Well, he doesn't listen to me. Nope. But it was that one. Okay. Um, And then I could have also been listening to Nickelback's The State. Oh, no. They're coming. Guess, guess what's coming soon, kids? Very soon. Oh, no. I unironically... The, po- post, the post-grunge boom has hit. Yes. Like, I feel like 2001 was when post-grunge entered the mainstream for real, you know? Yeah. Yep. Nickelback, Creed. Yeah. Saliva. <laughs> Don't know who that is. But I, I will say that... Um, I I unironically loved Nickelback in their like late 90s, early 2000s stuff. Uh, After that, I kind of fell out of them, but all their albums, every single one of them. (laughs) Love them. Um, Yeah. And if we weren't listening to that, we could have also been listening to Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Mm, Is that what came out? I believe so. I didn't write down the title. I'm pretty sure. Hybrid Theory. That's the one. With all of the songs you remember. Yes, all of them. One step closer. Yeah, uh, I'm about to break. Uh, in the end? Uh, crawling yeah. in my skin. Crawling in my skin. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, my older sister, who would be living with us in 2001, mm-hmm. listened to that album all the time. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't like it at first, but <laughs> it slowly grew on me. Well, one, I, was, I didn't like music, remember? That's I didn't true. like music at the time, so I was... I, 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 I was against it. I was against it, but it, it it it's 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 a great album. Yeah, it is. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's so good. That, that one also captures the feel of 2000. How many years were you out of music? Because if you got out of music because of this, Probably, middle school is when I started getting really back into music. So it was like two or three years. Five years, really. Okay. Four to five years, yeah. <sighs> Forgot you were in third grade. <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, so if we weren't listening to Transatlantic, for you, we could have been listening, once again, to The Purgatory of Arion, Universal Migrator Part 1, Dream Sequencer, also, Arion 2, F- Flight of the Migrator. Instead, we listened to 30-minute songs. <laughs> so, okay, we, we talked about Arion in 95 and 96. They, it is, he, it's... It's a progressive metal project, mm-hmm. um, and he released two albums this year. Both are, uh, <laughs> it's like part one and part two. Mm-hmm. And part one is like super proggy, synthy, dreamlike type songs, like Pink Floydish even. Mm-hmm. Part two is all metal, <laughs> and that that album rocks. That that might be my favorite Arion album. Is that one? It it, ha- it features guest vocals by uh, Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, and that second album, I guess I think the story is so it's like part one. The story is it's about a guy who's the last living human being, and he's living on like a a, a space station on Mars, <laughs> and he's he's like life support systems are gonna 
die out soon. Mm. He knows he's going to die. So he spends his last, you know, waking moments on Earth reliving Earth's history in a machine. Oh, it's like a virtual reality machine. He sets himself in and he sees the history of humanity <sighs> in moments through this machine. That and at horrible. the very end of it, he decides, I'm going to go back to the very start. <laughs> Don't do that. So he turns the machine like up to maximum. And part two is the history of the beginning of the universe, which is the flight of the universal migrator, (laughs) who is like the progenitor of the universe. Oh, wow. It's like the silver surfer or something. Oh, my gosh. And the song that album is all songs about him flying through space. Mm, Too bad we won't be able to talk about that one. (laughs) Oh, such a shame. It's silly. (laughs) Silly. Rod listens to silly music. Rod is silly music, but we love him. I love him. He's mine. (laughs) Um, Okay, we could have also been listening to Rage Against the Machine's Renegades. Yep, that is the last Rage Against the Machine album. It uh, it's a cover album. Features covers like uh, How I Could Just Kill a Man, and uh, Renegades of Funk, and Kick Out the Jams. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a fun album, even though it's not quite as good as some of the other Rage Against yeah. Machine albums. Are, and but. it's also covers, so it's like their last album, but not their last new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. But it's good. Nice. Renegades of Funk, great song. Nice. We also could have been listening to uh, Money Machine by Big Elf. No, we also could have been listening to Big Elf by Money Machine. Other way. No, we also could have been listening to Money Machine by Big Elf. Yes. Okay. Big, Big Elf is another progressive rock band. Oh. Yep. They also toured with Dream Theater at one point. And uh, just like with Transatlantic, the lead singer plays keyboards while singing. He's got keyboards on both sides. He wears a big top hat. He's the Mad Hatter. Is his name Matt? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just another silly Fun. progressive rock band. I like prog rock if you haven't yeah, noticed. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of good ones came out this year. Yeah. 2000 was the year. Um, And lastly... We could have been having an evening with Jordan, Jordan Rudis and John Petrucci. Yep, Jordan Rudis, John Petrucci, the keyboardist and guitar player from Dream Theater, my favorite band. <laughs> uh, I guess they did a night together in New York City where they did piano and guitar music for people. And I, I, I this was when I was just like, admission, I was torrenting a lot of music. <gasps> And so I torrented all of their discographies because I really like Jordan Rudis's music. I think he's a great like piano player, keyboard player. So I downloaded all of his stuff. And amongst them was this live album that him and John Petrucci put together. And it's very nice. Two things. One, didn't he do some tea this year? Was that not John No, Petrucci? that was Mike Portnoy. Portnoy. Wrong P. Yeah. Second thing, you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's it. But that bit, is... Bit, bit torrents? thing in 2000 i wasn't doing it in the year 2000 but that was that was a a a technology napster we're in the era of napster yeah we are bit (laughs) uh but yeah that's all for our runners up man yeah that was a pretty hefty year for you honestly yeah we haven't had such a hefty year since the year that we didn't talk about any grunge (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you were very upset about that i still wish you could have talked about some grunge (laughs) but anyway that's that that's that. I think we're going to finish off our show with some plugs, right? Yeah. All right. So if you enjoyed the show, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at MediaMHO on both. Uh, we're going to share perhaps some music videos, perhaps some old performances. Yeah. Perhaps some some notes that Jess prepared for the making of this show. So you can see how upset I am. <laughs> yep. You can do us some favors. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. 
Give us reviews, five stars. Tell us what you like or don't like about the show, I guess. Yeah. Uh, tell us what was your album of the year 2000? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we want to hear that. What were you listening to in the year 2000? Just be- just <laughs> and before- why was it in sync? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> How many times did you listen to this? What lyrics did you go back when you listened to and go like, mm, that's terrible, but I'm still dancing? <laughs> were you afraid of Y2K? Let us know. <laughs> um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Rod the Master. Um, I like to retweet pictures of Nintendo properties. Yes. Um, I host a YouTube wrestling show called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. Um, so if you like professional wrestling, you can check that out. And I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. We write all about the Legend of Zelda video game series. So if you like Zelda, check that out. Mm. What do you got? I've got nothing. You can find my old stuff on YouTube, but don't find it because it's real not good. Taming Tales on YouTube. I have not uploaded anything yet because I need therapy. But (laughs) I will upload stuff sometime next year. So you don't have to go there now. I should probably like make some videos private because they're very embarrassing. But I probably will forget after I say this. Maybe I'll remember when I hear this played back. Taming Tales on YouTube. Don't bother to go. Maybe in May. (laughs) Anyway, that is the end of our show. Yeah. It's been a long one. It, yeah. So thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to close out the show with a song I wanted to talk about, but Jess wouldn't have it. Nope. Absolutely uh, But not. this is, we sing this song all the time. We do sing it very often. Because this song is so stupid Ugh. and like t- like just of the time. I literally it, would not and have- it, It's also groovy and funky and fun. Mm-hmm. It's an NSYNC song called Digital Get Down. Yeah, we weren't going to talk through those lyrics, kids. <laughs> it is a song about- Adult chat rooms on the internet. Yep. It's all about chatting it up with a stranger on the internet. Yep. You know, getting a little freaky. Who wrote it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was just again, 100%. Uh, <laughs> it was co-written by JC. Oh, no. JC? He was he was the technophile in the band. Yeah. Yeah, man. He was a technofetishist. Yep. JC. JC. <laughs> JC. JC, no. Mask Give me your hand. No. <laughs> JC, mask off. The, guy, <laughs> the guy's got a funky side and he was into the internet. Uh. <laughs> yep, so that's digital get down. So hope you digital, digital get down with us tonight. And uh, we will see you all next time with our TV of the year 2000. And remember, kids, it's not going to be you if you've asked Scrub. If you've asked Scrub, you need, you need to get some help. <laughs> Thank you.